0: Well, we may be about to steal a segment from another podcast, but we were talking to gibberish, aren't we, Dom?
1: Absolutely, we're back once again, yeah. stealing, stealing shit from other podcasts. Uh,
0: this this, week, this uh, week, we were stealing from uh, the HD podcast. Uh, Ethan and Neil Klein of HD HD Productions. Yep. Uh, I've been a big fan for a while, yep. fell off of it a little bit, and then uh, got back into it because they
1: were one of the few people dealing with uh, Trisha Paytas at the time. Yeah, that was... That was a difficult podcast to make it through. I never listened to the full thing, but what but I did listen to was just most of them going, I think you're a dick, but you're having this, they say it in a nice way. <laughs> like Colin, I think you're an utter cunt. You're saying it in a nice way. Like yeah. what is fucking wrong with you?
0: I, I think they need to find the constructive way to do it because they have the high ground. Obviously they have the high oh, ground. Yeah, yeah. Over, in that situation, just to give someone a brief rundown, uh, Trisha Paytas is an American YouTuber who has been just, Riding waves of controversy for years now yeah. Try and grow the channel And she has basically been on the wrong side Of everything And in the last couple of weeks She decided to come out as trans Now normally when a YouTuber does this It's met with open arms by LGBT community Because they want another voice Out there, they want another, another representative Somebody who could join the cause, raise awareness And help mm. people out in that way And uh, it's generally quite well received Except for when Trisha did it Because everyone was like i don't think so yeah
1: didn't she come out as a gay man yeah she came out as a a woman to come out as a gay man isn't that just a woman coming out as a woman (laughs) in the most convoluted way possible i am am woman and i like man that's going to the bible that's how it's meant to be what what the fuck
0: are you bringing to the table i i I guess that means you're somewhere in the spectrum of something i don't know uh but she came out and nobody really believed what she was going through so they. When they challenged her on it and said, Look, okay, what's part of your trans end? What's your trans experience? The answer was basically, I feel like I have a masculine brain. And uh, for those of you who have not seen, she is a particularly. She has a hole in her brain. <laughs> <laughs> several, uh, from the meth. So she. Yeah, there was that as well. She, The admission that she does meth didn't help any of this. And it, it was weird that I was texting as I was going through it saying, Okay, so I'm listening to Trisha Paytas thing. She is talking about uh, all this experience and how that she feels like she's a man trapped in a woman's body, despite having a very womanly body, and oh yeah. despite over like extending it into like a cartoonish version of uh, Marilyn Monroe. Uh, that actually, fun enough, I saw a, a big fan of rare insults on Reddit, mm. and they have a one of Trisha Paytas where it described her as if you asked a, a half-blind. Kid from another country to describe what an American looks like. (laughs) This is what they would draw, and I'm like, yeah, it pretty much is. She's she's extra curvy, big fake lips, big fake hair, like bottle blonde, everything, Mm. um, and just horrific to look at for more than thirty seconds. But, uh, she basically has made this weird statement where her identity is expressed incredibly feminine, despite the fact that she says she has masculine energy, and all of her trans experience is located in this masculine energy that she seems to think she projects i I, I don't get it i don't think anyone did and i don't
1: think think she gets it
0: that's why the uh the community rebuttal was so harsh towards her and they hd had her on to kind of give her time to talk it it. out and maybe try and make some sense of it it did not work uh i think that's seriously um and yeah they I stay around for a couple of episodes after Trish testing because I was like, okay, I remember this. This feels comfortable and safe and been looking for new podcasts to talk about. So I decided to give HD another go. And a couple of episodes later, they debuted a segment called uh, Cunt of the Year, which, uh, <laughs> not going to lie, their, their pick is pretty good. It's a Brazilian pop star, Instagram type personality who went to, I think it was Disney World or Disneyland, one of those facilities. And uh, did the usual Instagram thing of, "Oh, guys, I'm here. I'm out, in, I'm out here at Disneyland. It's so fantastic. It's a blessing. Thank you for helping me get here. It's been a dream, a boy, blah blah blah." But look at this kid behind I'm
1: me. Slightly taken aback that he said "boy." <laughs> what? <laughs> he said, "I've been doing this since I was a boy." It was a guy. All oh, right, I was just, I'm slightly surprised that the Instagrams. I always assume Instagram stars are female. No, <laughs> most of the ones I follow are typically female, but no, he's uh, he's
0: Instagram personality, uh, yeah. more of a like that type of. I'm just, I'm just a lad hanging out and sharing my life with you, my 6 million subscribers with whom I have a personal relationship, in air quotes, and he, he puts the camera around to show a little girl at the back of the bus that he's on. The girl is clearly wearing a wig. It's because she's a cancer survivor. Oh, fuck. She is in the midst of chemo and has been given one of those kind of like Make-A-Wish Foundation trips to uh, Disneyland. Yep. And he's like, it's look at this girl, she looks so weird. And you're like, dude, she's a Kid with cancer. What the <laughs>
1: fuck? You know when people say it could get worse, like oh, you come out and say, "Ah man, I made fun of this kid. Not yeah. feel great." You know when people say how worse, how much worse can it be? This is how much worse it can be. This is it's
0: it's fucking horrific because you can see the kid clocks the camera. The kid clearly understands she's being filmed by a guy speaking Portuguese, kind of half laughing at her at Instagram and like this is hurt. This is absolutely fucking nightmarish yeah. to watch, and obviously he gets the uh, the I think maybe cunt of the decade. But yeah, that'll do. It. I have a, a counter proposal. I would like to nominate for cunt of the cunt of the show, which will be our new segment. The guys who are ddosing the extra life servers.
1: DDoSing?
0: Yes, denial okay. of service. Basically, oh, oh. you mass spam data uh-huh. at a server, and it crashes. It can't process enough data hmm. to continue normal functions and shuts down. Someone is doing that to Extra Life, the charitable foundation where gamers raise money for kids. Jesus fucking Christ. Who the fuck? <laughs>
1: who, who looks at all these people? Who looks at the fucking effort and the just like good vibes of this thing Go, you know what? I'm going to fuck that up. Because every, every year I never have enough disposable income to say I'm going to throw some money to them. I do what I can if i have the money but if there's streamers we know that are doing yeah.
0: their streams i'll happily like share it out to see if anyone wants to join in and yeah. help raise money just
1: if you can't yeah share money share some yeah share the experience like yeah. watch make sure that you're there uh, but i would never look at that and think oh, i can't give money i'm just gonna crush it <laughs>
0: time for who i just want to know who looked at this foundation which has raised millions 30 years yeah. and this year i think may have raised up to 10 million dollars yeah, for kids ridiculous. in hospitals in the u.s that is a fantastic amount of money. It's a kind of, like, pride of the gaming community that people yeah. can come together and do all this. And uh, someone decided, time to smash the fuck out of that.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, fuck, fuck those people. I mean, <laughs> it's doing nothing but good work. Yeah. It's doing nothing but helping people. I mean, I'm sure you're going to get all those people saying, well, oh, the money doesn't go to the sickheads. It probably fucking does, you asshole. It, it yeah. goes to rate... Like, I know that one thing they've done is
0: uh, Rooster Teeth are big fans of that charity yeah they they do though Jack Patel has done an amazing uh, job at like raising their kind of uh, profile and making a lot of like a big community event a big 24 hour live stream which is how most people do their fundraising is a, like, an endurance uh, gaming session which is weird to say but if you've ever tried to game for 24
1: hours solid it is a fucking endurance run I've tried it once but not with um, not with traditional video games we did it with board games. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. And after three hours of trying to play Risk with someone, I wanted to melt their face <laughs> off concrete repeatedly.
0: We, we need to discuss at some point what it is about board games that fucks people up, but we'll leave that yeah, for a separate time. I,
1: especially board games where you're meant to play against other people. If it's eight people and each one of those eight people is trying to outdo the other. Name a board game that can't end in a fight. I dare you. You can't do it. Yeah, you can't do it. Because you're going to say, what, Monopoly? No, Monopoly will kill your kids. <laughs> you will kill your kids because of Monopoly. Monopoly is designed to start a fight. Yeah. even we, Especially the new one, by the way. There's the new one with the card machines. <sighs> and the card machines don't work often. So if they're like, oh, I'm just trying to take your payment. Like, you're, st- you're stealing money off me. It's like, I swear, no, the card's not working. <laughs> the next thing you know, the little card machine's getting lobbed at heads. Because <laughs> it just gets fucking angry. Yeah, no, Monopoly is designed to raise blood pressure and kill family members. I, it's, I, it's just...
0: I can't believe someone looked at a massive charity event and said, "I need to just smash this down to make myself feel." Or for some reason, I'd love to know the reasoning. Yeah, but that's that's why I want to introduce this this segment to the show, is this uh, this because nothing better than self righteous anger, except yeah. for community interaction. <laughs> Last episode, we promised uh, Lance, one of our fans on Twitter, that we would do a a breakdown of the top accents in, um. I guess, I guess, it's television. I guess some movies as well. I think it was just uh, top Scottish accents in uh, movies. Yeah,
1: it's just a selection of accents, uh, Scottish accents from movies and TV, and uh, they got in uh, f- somehow. Famous singer-songwriter Lois Capaldi.
0: <laughs> I don't think f- I've heard a single one of his songs. His I voice know is good. I've never, I don't know who he. I, I never heard his music. I uh,
1: probably heard it at work. and just don't know. Yeah. Him? If you've been listening to the radio in the UK for the past year, you will have heard one of the songs. I couldn't tell you a single title, but I did listen to. One song that a friend put on at a house party because Peter Capaldi was in the music video. Who's turned yeah. out as his his great great uncle or some shit like that. Right. Okay. It's not, it's not like that many degrees, but it's, they are through some degrees of inheritance related <laughs> to each other. Turns out there's not many fucking Capaldies in Scotland. <laughs> Who'd have fucking thought? Uh, so I listen to this and I was like, you know what, this guy's got not a bad voice. Then you see him and like, oh, there's a reason people call you Chewis Capaldi. You look like Chewbacca, but someone shaved them. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't. I can't talk. I'm not exactly fucking winning. Like. World's sexiest man, but still, he's a weird-looking dude. I, I was thinking he's like if Ed Sheeran had a drinking problem, but got clean of it five years ago.
0: Like he's just starting to put it back together <laughs> again. Like it's just he's he's lost the weight, but the skin hasn't gone. Like he's, he's yeah. just still at that stage of like yeah. there's something let, weird. Let's about not,
1: him. Let's not downplay. It. He is he is good at what he does. He's got a great voice, but his whole his whole thing through what the f- what website was he doing it through Fine Bros. Yeah, it's
0: Fine Bros. Entertainment because yeah. I noticed that in the videos. I was like, hey, FBE, why do I know that? Yeah. Those oh, are the shit. assholes that
1: tried to trademark the word react. <laughs> uh, so the whole point of this video is they were given, I think it was five, yeah, six. Five, six. Six, uh, six different uh, Scottish accents throughout uh, movies and TV. And he was saying, please rate if they're accurate or not. Please tell me what your grievances with the, the accent is. Do you want to go through them in the order of the uh, the video? Yeah, sure, let's do that.
0: So uh, from the top, we had uh, Fat Bastard in Austin Powers. Uh-huh. I it was given the nod and uh, I think in a weird way it is kind of an accurate Scottish accent a very kind of angry cartoon version of a Scottish accent Yeah, it, but it is quite genuine it's, and a, it,
1: it's a caricature 100% I,
0: I don't know if I just think of it as being legit because that was how we spent most of our childhood was just yelling get in my belly all yeah. the time I don't know if that was just part of what we grew up doing and that therefore it is kind of
1: canon that uh, that is yeah. a Scottish accent we've just got it in our heads that someone at some point actually spoke like that and to be fair I spend a lot of time in Glasgow. Yeah. It's not statistically impossible that someone could be out there going look look at my sexy body. <laughs> Someone's just out there with their fucking sumo nappy on rubbing their fucking tea tray sized nipples.
0: That that character is it's fantastic and it's so disgusting. it's a it's a it's, perfect it's example horrific. of that. Era of comedy and that of like what you can get away with, like, oh, we can't do this because it's not body positive. Yeah, this was the example of early 2000s. We don't give a fuck, we're gonna blast M. <laughs> yeah, right. 24/7 driving around in a little Peugeot
1: 207, <laughs> just <laughs> run the fucking corner at 90 <laughs> miles an hour. Pray to God every time you take a corner too quick because the back wheels just tip up like that.
0: <laughs> and that's why you had a fat bastard in the crew to exactly. sit on that sit side the to weigh the, to car, weigh down. the fucking car down, yeah, exactly. So, uh, every then- crew back in the day needed a fat bastard. <laughs> Uh, next up is William Wallace from Braveheart. Awful, it is awful. But can I put to you a proposal?
1: No, <laughs> that's
0: fair enough. <laughs> no one. Next up, to- Sky Scott-
1: <laughs> No one is going to change my mind about how fucking awful Braveheart is. Anyone who says it's good does not know how historically inaccurate it is, well, and how annoying Mel Gibson's accent is.
0: The historical inaccuracies are a good point, but the thing that everyone points to is that freedom speech. I think I need to watch the rest of that movie. I don't think I'm going to walk away with like, oh, it turns out it was so really good. It was that one scene he yeah. fucked up. It just everyone remembers that one scene. But I was thinking about the fact that he is having to act through an accent that is not his own, that he probably didn't put much work into it. Yeah. Um, probably uh, looked at his paycheck and we already do shit. <laughs> but the, um, the, my theory is that Gibson's acting through the impression and this is the biggest dramatic speech in film history, in a way. Yeah. Like this is the one most... One of, the, one of the big like rallying cries, like, this is... Our Independence Day is right up there for the Americans. Like, it, it's on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's it's Fight them on the beaches level speech, but obviously it never happened. And I think him acting through that, or him trying to scream that accent, just does not work. And I think that's the issue. I need to go back and see like more mundane, chilled out, relaxed scenes and see if his accent was horrible. But in that scene, hell yes, that
1: is the worst Scottish accent I've ever yeah. seen but that's the thing even throughout the rest of the movie he doesn't tone it down to conversational levels yeah. there's one point when he's uh, he passes I'm pretty sure he's, he's, he sees a little boy trying to pick something up and he goes what are you doing boy no Scottish person would ever go what are you doing boy what are you doing boy <laughs> stand up nah he, he doesn't regulate the voice well he did, He wasn't given enough time to prepare I think so yeah fucking yeah, Braveheart the movie, and I don't like that accent.
0: I, I just think of 99% of the other like Scottish accents you've ever seen in television are either comedy or more naturalistic films where yeah. no one's acting really, they're just having the accent and chatting away. Yeah, I think that's where the difference comes in with that and Braveheart. Braveheart is the one kind of standing up, rousing speech, death to the English type of moment in, in history that features a Scottish accent. And it just
1: so happens a
0: Scotsman was not playing the lead character. Yeah,
1: I mean, that film was just, full of, well, this, we're going to put a point on this because we can fucking talk about how much I don't like this movie for hours. But uh, <laughs> my last point on it is the movie the, the movie itself did not make good decisions because you have, uh, what, what was the name of the professor in Harry Potter that had the weird fucked up eye, like the mechanical eye? Mad-Eye Moody. The guy that played Mad-Eye Moody is Irish. Uh, he's fuck? playing a scotsman and there's uh, a scotsman uh, playing the irishman Gleeson. Uh, he's pl- something gleason he's playing a, He is irish himself but he's playing a scotsman mm-hmm. and then you've got tommy flanagan who is from glasgow playing an irishman why not just swap the roles <laughs> it's, it's fine they're both there for about the same minutes. screen time <laughs> exactly. just fuck it who cares <laughs> but no nah. anyway next next fucker, i think it was star trek with it
0: was uh yeah scotty from star trek um
1: and something Doohan was there. Richard? James doing James doing the
0: guy from the original run
1: Canadian not even trying I didn't even realise <laughs> I was with Lewis Capaldi at, in that moment because he goes was he doing a Scottish accent like, holy shit that's Scotty if you didn't know the other guy was like Leonard Nemo, you'd be like okay so the other guy's going to be the Scottish yeah. guy when you don't realise the person that he's talking to is I think it is Captain Kirk uh, oh yeah it's Captain Kirk I one the scenes and yeah. it's uh, oh sh- that guy's meant to be Scottish.
0: <laughs> oh wait he's the Scott. okay yeah. right um and then the other the other clip you show is Simon Pegg. Yep. Pretty decent shot of it. Yep. I uh, I described it as an acting class Scottish accent. Like it's yeah. it's not an actual Scottish. Nobody's ever spoken like that. But at the same time, if you were told this is how you tread the boards and speak Scottish, hmm. that's how you go for it.
1: I think some I think Simon Pegg's uh, pre- uh, preparation for that accent in Star Trek was watching a shit ton of David Tennant videos. Uh. Because it, it's very close to how David Tennant naturally speaks, but just taken to excess.
0: I, yeah, I actually I have a pro-peg bias right now because I just watched Shaun of the Dead yesterday. Yeah. It's fucking a, good movie. It's, it's, it's fucking so good. It's <laughs> something with,
1: like, Iron Man 1. Yeah. Because all those movies were just, this is going to be the start of something. We're going to hook you in. Shaun of the Dead's so fucking good. Yeah. yeah. It's even a good uh, zombie film as well. It's a, it's a good zombie film, good
0: comedy film. Uh, good Not quite a good rom-com. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's there. It's It's a bit too... Violent to be a rom com, but at the yeah. same time, it is hysterically funny. Edgar Wright can just do no wrong, but I mean, in my mind, but. his his way of shooting things, I'm like, that's a very strong stylistic choice, especially when you think of what else was coming out of the time. Like, this, this rocks by itself, it's very yeah. good. Um, so after that, Groundskeeper Willie. awful, <laughs> <laughs> fucking yeah, awful. I, it, it's, it's one of those things that's such a big part of childhood as well, yeah, it does kind of become this, uh. Scottish by I guess just sticking around long enough I mean again Simpsons is somehow running for like 28th year yeah um, The I, Simpsons
1: I, has literally been along, along for as as much time as we've been alive I think they want to get to 2020 yeah, I think they want to get to 30 years and say right last season we are done
0: yeah so the thing is it's like season if they get to 2020 they will technically have been making The Simpsons f- in four decades yeah which is nuts because it started in 1989 like the very last moments of 1989 all the way through the 90s into the aughts, tens, into the 20s, yeah. bang, cut it there. I think they're doing that just to say they did it, which is horrific if you have to watch it, but yeah. at the same time, I mean, he was the, the Scottish voice in America for several decades. Yeah, he was the
1: the sole Scottish accent.
0: But it's, uh, my description, it's about as Scottish as haggis, bagp- bagpipes and kilts all the way down Princess Street although it is undeniably Scottish it's up it to 11 for the tourists oh, yeah. it is the fakest shit I've ever heard
1: oh speaking of tourists uh, when I was at um, a convention on Saturday uh, there was the pro-independence march going through Glasgow <laughs> oh right <laughs> and it was my favourite it's my favourite fucking thing to see people when they see a large uh, procession or congregation of people and they're tourists who just join it. There was just all these people going, what do we want? Independence. When do we want it? Now. And then all these, all these pro-independence people, it's just a family of Chinese people <laughs> <laughs> stuck in there waving Scottish flags. I lost my shit. Because <laughs> they're just sitting going, ha. Huh? Like, clapping along. It's not
0: like these are Chinese Scottish people, like no, people of ethnic origin of China living in Scotland. It's like these are obviously Chinese tourists who just got wrapped into this whole thing. Yeah, because <laughs> their tour guide was looking for them.
1: Like, <laughs> some guy sitting there with an umbrella going, shit, where the fuck did they go? <laughs> oh Dude, it was great. That's Fucking so unfortunate. <laughs> it, happened, it, it happened when uh, my rugby team, in Glasgow Warriors, won the Guinness uh, Pro 14 or Pro 12 Cup as it w- was back then. They won it, I think it was three, maybe four years ago. And uh, again, uh, all the people are meeting the, the team and stuff in uh, George Square in Glasgow. Yeah, Again, same thing happened. Just a group of Chinese-Asian people, just <laughs> you think? Walking in the place. they're walking about the flags. People are walking up to them, getting their photo taken. They're just sitting there waving flags back and forth. <laughs> it's awesome. To see. Uh,
0: also, one thing, I was, this is being Fine Bros Entertainment. They're obviously trying to do something on the lines of BuzzFeed. So they have to ask, yeah. do you find this uh, caricature offensive? You no. Know, Nah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off with that nonsense. <laughs> like, this is not offensive, yet it's a caricature. Nobody gives a shit. I'm going to be honest yeah. with
1: you. You have to try a lot harder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're talking about Groundskeeper Willie being offensive, I mean, this is exactly what Lewis Capaldi says in the, the video. It's not the offensive, it's not the stereotype you talk about in The Simpsons. There's so many other people you talk about, there's one in it particular that you talk about before. Everyone, every non American character is an offensive stereotype.
0: Yeah we just kind of get over it and don't care
1: yeah I mean I I do think that it's good in a sense that Scottish people don't really get represented enough in media as it is Mm. we're kind of getting obviously in our TV shows and stuff we get represented because we've got Still Game the fucking Titan it is just still going even though it's not on TV people still watching it on BBC iPlayer on Netflix Mm. but we don't get enough representation out there and if we do nine times out of ten it's a a stereotype or it's non- Scottish people doing Scottish accents like The Outlaw King, which was a good film. Yeah. But how much more authentic would it have been if you got actual, genuine Scottish actors? Yeah, and there's, there's a few out there. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty. Hmm. Um you find them. speaking of Scottish actors. Train
0: spotting. Train spotting, yeah. Why the fuck was that in there? That was a The entire movie of train spotting was this well he asked them or they asked them to break down Scottish accents and train spotting. Mm. And the answer was it's really watered down.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Apparently this was very early actor Ewan McGregor, who hadn't watered down his accent enough. Right. So this was, because I think he is from Edinburgh himself, so he would have just been, right, you speaking in a normal accent. They'd have been great for that. But now they said, no, we need, this needs to work overseas. We need to get you to speak. (laughs) and Speak (laughs) normally, please. (laughs) When you get you speaking an accent that people are gonna understand and fucking buttfuck nowhere, Oklahoma Yeah. Or says boy shine.
0: Who is maning th- here?
1: <laughs> Who the hell this man he here is coming to my house saying a boot loot Canadian Hey Mark get the gun. Canadian just back
0: <laughs> <laughs> I uh it, it's the thing of Scots do that. We do have to water down our accent. I water the, I water mine down way further oh, away. Yeah. Mine's just yeah. stuck there. I don't know what it's like now if I just go loose and take away all the little restraints that I have in place oh, yeah.
1: if uh, I if I did it because I've always considered myself as a Glaswegian by birthright because I've that's where I lived when I was younger I was every yeah. weekend I'd go away and visit family in Glasgow, come back on Monday, be like oh I don't want you to do the weekend well, I guarantee you went to Glasgow because that's just where I went all the time Yeah, uh, my parents are a uh, Glaswegian uh, my oldest brother's Glaswegian, it's just me and my older brother Gordon that aren't really lucky enough to Claim that heritage, claim that heritage, but yeah, we can assume it by birthright. And I used to speak with a quite pronounced Glasgow accent, but then I went to college and university in Edinburgh, and there was very, very few other Scottish yeah. accents in my classes. So I thought I need to regulate my voice, and like yourself, I don't know what that other line was. So yeah. if I took those restraints off, I think I'd be probably more Glaswegian than I used to yeah. be. I know I have to
0: keep the accent off because the area we grew up. It's a much faster speech pattern than yeah, what we, we use.
1: To, we need to just t- dial it down a bit.
0: We've got a heavy, thick face as well, so if we start speaking at that speed, we slur it down. We slur it around, yeah. and then all of a sudden you get, like, the face isn't moving fast enough to make the sounds yeah. come out correctly. You get a lot, a lot of, what? Repeat that. Just like, uh, you, you slow that down just a wee bit? What are you saying? You're like, I just spoke normally. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So I,
1: I, I shall speak with the, qu- with the Queen's. Uh, the Queen's English.
0: Queen's Annunciation. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I, I I get that and uh, I, it does make sense that the, the biggest Scottish I guess it's the biggest Scottish movie of all time. The biggest one that we actually like. Um is a bit watered down. It is a bit more kind of yeah. relaxed. I mean,
1: the have you ever read the book Train Spotting? No. I have it. I will give you a loan of it. I finished it. Great book. Yeah. Much more that's in much more than that's in the movie, obviously, because you thought it's got to be certain parts of this where I think no, we can't put that, and no one's going to fucking understand what the hell this is. <laughs> and the book is written in Scots. All oh, right, nice. so it is. It's easy for me to understand because it's how I speak. Yeah, it'd be easier for you to understand. But I handed it to a friend of mine who was who who was Polish, <laughs> <laughs> who is Polish. He was Polish. He's now Catholic. So yeah, he's, he was he was Polish. <laughs> he's now, he now he now presents himself as from a uh, Wester Hills in Edinburgh. But uh, yeah, I handed him the book, and he went, "I." Do not fucking understand a word of this. He read that one sentence and I went, "Do you have any idea what that means?" He went, "No, take the book back before having nine years. of <laughs> Okay, that's fine.
0: This <laughs> is the devil's tongue.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I used to read the when I was when I was a religious man, when I was a man of the church, man of the cloth, man sir? of the cloth. Yes, it was in the family, we are a strong Protestant family. <laughs> uh, I read the Bible in uh, Glaswegian. Huh. That is a mindfuck. I would, I would love to see that. I have the the Glasgow Scots Bible, the yeah. Ouija Bible, the Ouija Bible, yeah, and it's just it's stuff like wee Deuteronomy, <laughs> stuff like that. Deuteronomy one, Deuteronomy. <laughs> James three sixteen, yabas. <laughs> Paul the Corinthians, fuck off. <laughs> and Jesus said to the moneylenders, "Get to fuck." <laughs> <laughs> like he is without
0: sin cast the first stain. <laughs> <laughs> somebody throws on, how you <laughs> <laughs> I ken your more shit down <laughs> I not <don't> think so. <laughs>
1: your face is shot, we man
0: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we gotta move past this uh, back to Mike Myers we end up with uh, Shrek <laughs> yeah we end up with Shrek you who mean? not canonically Scottish just has the accent yeah, it just, and it's, it's just terrible. accepted that it's Scottish
1: yeah people just assume it is Scottish
0: um, I'm actually fine with it because as I said with William Alastair, like, nobody's none of these accents are really acting through an accent. Yeah. Shrek's the closest one. Yeah. Where someone is actually acting through like scenes with narrative weight and I'd say that because it, you take Fat Bastard, which is just yelling and screaming at being fat and getting in my belly. Mm. Then you take the accent, dial it all the way down to a conversational tone. That's where you have Shrek. And it actually works. It's That's why it, for me... I joked about this last episode, but yeah. right now, Rocky at
1: it, saying yeah. that legitimately might be the best Scottish accent in television. Oh yeah, oops! Uh, you can tell that Mike Myers has actually worked on this accent because I think it was Fat Bastard before, or after, or during Shrek. Uh, Austin Powers is the 1990s. Shrek is early 2000s. Early 2000s. So yeah, he must have taken, must have said, uh, use the Fat Bastard voice because originally he wasn't Shrek. Right. Originally, it was Chris Farley but then I think he passed or at that time he was dealing with substantial substance abuse issues right, <laughs> and uh, weight issues and uh, health issues so they said, right, we don't want to really be associated with that and they got on Mike Myers, so I think he had enough time to fine-tune the accent and, and if you've got a baseline for the accent yeah. he probably it's probably best to refer to that and I think he just went to whatever Scottish parentage he had and said, I need to get this accent down, yeah. help me I, I think he probably just stuck in character for weeks before yeah. we the booth I think
0: that's the best way to do it
1: yeah just become the character
0: and uh, that's how Shrek
1: becomes the greatest Scottish accent of all time yeah whoops <laughs> but I think what what uh, damned Mel Gibson's is that he made the, the fatal mistake of trying to pronounce the T in any way shape or form in the word uh, Scotland yeah. we don't do it it's a uh, <laughs> Scotland <laughs> people who say duh like oh, I'm from Scotland like there's a whole Bunnison sketch about this on YouTube yeah. watch it like no one says Scotland I was like I'm Scottish no you're Scottish or Scottish if
0: you are looking to do the accent and say the main thing to focus on is that consonants at the end of a word get kind of rounded off like all Scottish language starts at the top and goes down
1: yeah we are on a slope
0: we're on a everything's on a slope in Scotland especially the language yeah and that's where like you have a word like Scotland it goes it doesn't nobody says Scotland not that many people say it that way it's just Scotland Scotland the D is barely there at the end yeah so if you're looking yeah. to the impressions, looking to the accents and make it a bit more authentic, that's where most of the accents And yeah. although, the good point that Lewis Capaldi brings up during this whole thing, Scotland and the UK in general is incredibly rich in accents. Oh, yeah. For, like,
1: per square mile, more accents than any other place in the world. Yeah, you just need to look at Scotland and you have the, the Glaswegian accent, which has been well documented. People, try when they try and copy a Scottish accent, yeah. I think they go for the Glaswegian or the Edinburgh yeah. I think they can delete really, If they want to do a, a gruff, sort of mm. almost enemy type character, they go for the Glaswegian because that's a that's kind of a villain's voice if you do it yeah. with the right kind of thing. But Edinburgh, that's more the, the regular sort of Joe Public Scottish accent they go for. But then if you go further than that, you've got Aberdonian and then they, that D is pronounced. <laughs> then we
0: go to land and then all of will be of it's fucking Hookter and
1: It's all, all of a sudden just you got a Dundee and it's like if you want to see the phrase two hot onion pies, you've got towing in pies. <laughs> Dundonian is a fucking skill in of itself. It's, we have all the I suppose in a sense you can't really if you were landing for a Scottish accent, as long as you get the mannerisms right, yeah. you can say, Oh, I wasn't doing this Scottish accent, I was doing that Scottish accent. So there's a lot of there's a lot of room to play in there. Yeah. Let me just kind of fuck around. You just I guarantee you that most of the people though are going for Edinburgh Glasgow. Yeah. Because they think it's easiest, but I d I don't know. I wouldn't I, I would really say I would
0: love to take I chucked out of California, and but okay, you're gonna mentor this uh, this California accent, born and raised in the valley. He has never stepped outside California.
1: <laughs> you're gonna teach him. Your right, accent. So you're gonna sit down. You're gonna free here. You're gonna just let them fucking loose. <laughs> the word "what" becomes "vit." I realised that after talking to someone from up and up in the Highlands. Yeah, I like so, vitivant. What? Are you Transylvanian? <laughs> I believe that is. What do you want? No, vitivant. <laughs>
0: I'd love to see, like, again, I like take someone out of our context and sit them down and just have them watch you two have that argument and then go, You're both wrong. (laughs) (laughs) This this isn't
1: English. What the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Just watch their heads explode.
0: Oh, it's, uh, I I actually used to have, uh, there was a driver who was from way up north, and I was the only one who could understand them. So he'd he'd get (laughs) on the phone, he'd have a shit reception because he's up north. I'd be yelling down the phone in his weird accent. No one would understand it. And they had to get me from other rooms to come to and go, Oh he's just saying like he wants a he wants a box of this ready for him when he comes in yeah. and just put the foot right see you there, bye. All <laughs> he's asking for is a kettle on when he gets in, that's it. <laughs> he says, Can you make
1: me a cup of tea? What how do you not get this? <laughs> it's perfectly acceptable English, maybe. Yeah, I mean nothing wrong with it. With without those proud people in the Highlands the Scottish trade would kinda of dry up. <laughs> we send out so much woollen products and shit, it's unbelievable. Someone's gotta shear those sheep. Yeah, someone's gotta wrangle those sheep and shear them. Speaking
0: yeah. of which, there was actually a, a, was a weird Reddit post of a sheep that hid for six years in a cave. It didn't like being sheared, it bolted and ran. I think it was in New Zealand, and the thing is like four times the size of itself. It's just
1: a massive ball of hair. Just
0: a huge ball of wool. Uh, you can barely see the face just poking through the outside. You see the tiny little black dot
1: of the nose. It's brilliant. be pretty awesome.
0: So yeah, Lance, hope you're happy with that. I mean... Only really two of the accents get
1: passed. Yeah, uh, train spotting and Mike Myers. Uh, and Mike Myers, they get the pass because well, one's authentic Scottish, the other one's Scottish backed. Yeah. Uh, Simon Sa- Peg. Simon Peg uh, is enough, good enough. Yeah, happy uh, enough. It's good to go. Uh, James doing. James doing. Canadian doing a Scottish accent. We'll, but, we'll give him a mark when he starts trying. Yeah, when he puts uh, when he puts in the good effort, <laughs> I think he might be dead. <laughs>
0: okay, <laughs> it could be. Uh, Wait, but. Scotty is at, uh, we'll say one thing uh, Scotty by the way is supposed to be from Linlithgow yeah which is weird because I live in Linlithgow he does <laughs> not sound like he does not sound like he's he from Lithgow. Sound like yeah. he sounds like what people think Linlithgow sounds like yeah and uh, but no one enunciates that hard
1: in Scotland and, no. in in Linlithgow especially definitely not and uh, William Wallace fucking Mel Gibson gonna no do that try harder you, you fucked it up could you
0: imagine if he came back he was like guys I am very sorry I am gonna do it right this time. Are you talking
1: about Braveheart the sequel? Because that can't happen. (laughs) Just Braveheart the remaster. All right, yeah, Braveheart the redo. Director's cut. Braveheart the do over. (laughs) Braveheart, we're sorry. (laughs) Braveheart, we're sorry. Remastered edition. Ex Turbo HD Plus Alpha (laughs) Championship Edition.
0: Speaking of we're sorry remastered edition, uh, Fallout seventy six. Yeah, this is something that we've been kind of keeping half an eye on because it's. Such a shit show. And uh Yeah, I
1: mean, it is just a tornado of shit. Like a shit needle.
0: To give you an understanding of where this like where the kind of starting point for all this is, um, I'd recommend Internet Historians uh fall of the Fall of Seventy Six, I think it is. And that is a twenty-five minute video hmm. breaking down uh all of the weird quirks and flaws. There are also several longer, like two and a half to three hour long videos cataloguing more in detail of like this is every little thing I found wrong with the game and my first half an hour of playing you're like but it's a two and a half hour movie (laughs) what what did you do Um, Jesus. but since then there's been the main one that seems to crop up is the the bag there was a a bag that was offered as part of a power armor kit it was like a special edition and they said we'll give you a canvas bag and then they said we can't make the canvas we'll just make it like this polyethylene shit this weird nylon shit (laughs) generally
1: if you look in if you're in your home right now, listen to this, if you go into your kitchen and look where the bag of bags is, because everybody has a bag of bags, pull out one of those nylon bags that your mum uses for the shopping, guarantee that's it. Like, your mum, your wife, your significant other, they will have one of these bags that they use to store shit in when they go shopping. That's what they decided would be a benefiting or be the best material to use for a special edition, because I think that has the power 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 of my helmet. helmet.
0: Um, Which, there was another fuck up based on that. Um, but the the bag itself was part of I think it was 179 quid kit or something like that for the yeah, it was the game. Not cheap. Um, and people were like, "Hey, where's the proper bag?" And the response was, "We're not going to do anything about it." That went
1: well. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Thought they was just like, "Yeah, fuck it," they'll just accept it. Oh, they're that annoyed. Ooh. <laughs> oh, it's it's that bad. So uh,
0: I think they're on back order. They're being um repaired, they're being replaced. You could put in a claim for a bag if you ordered a power market and had a proof of receipt for like an order number or something yeah. like that. Uh, and then it turns out the website that you put that submission into was very very hackable in that you could actually just access the back door codes to see a database of everyone making a claim ever. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, so that was just another fuck up. That's Again, this is all stuff covered by Internet Historian, but since then, there's been two well, one of them I found funny from a microbiologist's perspective, uh, they had a, a tie-in product with GameStop where they took the Fallout helmet, but gave it a Nuca cola repaint,
1: where right. they basically just repaint yeah, over basically the helmet. Yeah, bright red with the Nuka-Cola logo on the side of the helmet.
0: Looked pretty good, until it turns out the little uh, label on the inside, like, you know, the little clothing tag label that you get on all the products? Yeah. That was growing mould. Ah, ooh. Black mould. Fucking hell. As in the one that gives you lung problems. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> For a helmet that is quote-unquote wearable, yeah. that's a pretty shitty thing. People were wearing those things. Though. I've seen yeah. people wear them. And complications from black mold do get very, very complicated. Very, very fast. Oh yeah, very quickly. So uh, if you didn't see that news and you somehow have one of those helmets, burn it. Burn it. Get rid <laughs> of it soon. Yeah. Uh, Flamethrower. Bur- burn it in a preferably like, the largest inc- incinerator you can find. Um, since then, I guess the main problem has just been not only the continuing kind of run of bugs but uh the fact that they are offering a one-year kind of it went from like a paid game to free to play basically free to play at some points you get it for free with just about every like xbox product for like a good six months um and then they decided to put in season passes okay of course they did 13 quid a month jesus or a hundred quid for a year you're like oh that's that's weird that they would plan that far ahead in advance. This is an always online game with a non-existent fan base. Why are they doing that? They didn't actually plan for this to be a long-running game. And here's how we know why. Uh, when the game, I think it was originally launched in 2018. Yeah. Technically, like towards the end. Yeah. Turns out... The
1: very tail end of 2018, we got it.
0: When you went into 2019, things didn't work because the game wasn't programmed
1: to run in 2019. <laughs> what the shit? That
2: is...
0: jeez. <laughs> oh,
1: I'd I'd love to see I'd love to be able I'd love to be a fly on the wall and see one of the production meetings with the guys at Bethesda and Zenimax. Zenimax
0: is the parent company, yes. Cuz
1: yeah. so I think they're they were the ones that are leading the charge on Fallout 76 cuz Bethesda were just kind of sure if you want to make it, fuck it, yeah. And uh, I'd love th- to just watch one of those meetings <laughs> and go, right, we're going to make this game. How's it going to play? It's going to play like Fallout. Explain how it's going to play Fallout. <laughs> It'll just work. It just works. <laughs> Todd Howard's favourite fucking slogan it
0: just works I was going to say I've, I've heard Todd Howard say it just works and you're like okay explain motherfucker <laughs> let's see it actually work and then we'll believe you because you're Bethesda yeah. you make these type
1: of games that break on impact you can imagine him just going out there and going see it works just fanning the flames away Just oh, it works <laughs> I swear to god his hands on fire and shit like, just the fire's fucking... supposed to be there it's <laughs> fine that's your day one DLC <laughs> so they've they've had a <laughs> burnt childrens. your day one DLC
0: <laughs> but the the one year uh, like axe pass for like a hundred quid was pretty astounding. One of the benefits was you would get an unlimited loot box. So you could basically store as much crap as you wanted to for crafting components. Not for like finalized items, but if you had raw crafting components you could put them in and you could store as many as you want. Wasn't that already a feature in Fallout three and four? Nope. Alright. Oh, okay. Well it might be in the C and four, it wasn't in seventy six. Yeah. Only thing is, uh it kind of deleted the items. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you paid for a premium item that destroyed every, like, key crafting components, and if you put them in there they were just gone. I mean, you complain to the Bethesda forums to say I've lost all my shit, I really needed that XYZ component they're like, yeah, sorry, it's gone, we can't find out what you were missing <laughs>
2: Jesus.
1: Oh, it's so I mean, at least with 2K they at least came up with a, a workaround saying, right, we're working to fix the fact that your, your personal vault will just delete itself every so often they, found, they gave us a workaround, and they're looking to fix it completely through a big massive update by the time the next paid DLC comes out, the next season pass DLC. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, they're saying, right, if there's more than one player playing on like couch co-op, get them to save and quit the game first, then the first player, they save and quit. Mm-hmm. Don't let the save and, the first player save and quit, because it'll boot you both off. Chances are, player two will lose all the shit. They You've us talked about work. this before, haven't yeah, you? Yeah. They've gave us this workaround. To them, for them just to go we don't know what's broken are we going to fix it nah <laughs>
0: it, well they are we don't they, have fucking time I think they have fixed it since then this this game I is a constant so. stream of patches and updates but at the same they have managed it's to fix unplayable it unplayable the problem is point. what was lost is now gone <laughs> good luck bye yeah, but you'll get free stuff <laughs> maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll consider it we'll give you like five quid worth of uh, free nothing <laughs> that doesn't really matter to
1: you. We'll give you uh, some thanks uh, for the caps. Hundred,
0: thanks for the hundred
1: pounds a year. Yeah, bear in mind it's a year. Do not break the contract. <laughs> nah, no, fuck that. Fuck, well, don't support this game. It's going to be bad. Well, Dom and I were talking about this and said, Dom, but
0: don't worry, it's about to hit catastrophic levels at some point. It okay. was going to hit these levels earlier in the year, but obviously with the never-ending like stream of shit they have to deal with they uh, have decided to push this key update back they're going to add what i described as basic functionality if you're normally playing a big open world game you expect to find characters in the in the world that aren't you or other players npcs non-player characters for those of you who have not in the know um fallout 76 is going to add npcs in 2020 as the biggest title update to the game
1: so far yeah, that. I
0: cannot fucking wait <laughs> did
1: you not? did you watch their E3 presentation this year it was just Todd Howard standing there getting hit in the face with yeah. just slagging off and then two guys came on and said we're going to give you stuff that we should have gave you at the start of the game we're going to give you NPCs that we're got gonna a give give cheer you- yeah that got a cheer and they said we're gonna give you a battle royale mode we're gonna give you the pvp that we promised the bar is so low for bethesda with this game i think we did talk about it right about that time there was people in the front row wearing bethesda t-shirts that were just going yeah man do it fucking tor howard base god (laughs) people just going fucking nuts and like dude you're being fucking paid and every single person behind you is just going hungry you want to go get some food i'm done with this shit
0: dude we can leave like right now there's, yeah, a, dude, I'm bored. there's a pizza place over the road dude they got five guys let's go they got five guys dude bro five guys let's go i got a spare thirty dollars let's do this why because they didn't pay for 13 quid a
1: month battle pass <laughs> we cannot stress enough do not do this
0: please for your own good Leave this game alone.
1: You will if you've never experienced buyer's remorse before. You will if you buy it.
0: Fallout 4 and Fallout 3 are still there. New yeah. Vegas is there as well. It's been patched and fixed to the point where it's now a very good game.
1: Yeah, if you want a good uh, Fallout style game, get Outer World. Oh, it is just New Vegas, two.
0: I I have not seen very much about this game. What do you What do you I've know? Not,
1: I've been watching my brother play it because I've never really had. I've never really gotten into the Fallout games in, in the sense of I've always liked how they've played, but I've never played one through to completion because I just get kind of sidetracked with things next thing you know I've spent 18 hours in the building of shooting uh, fucking giant mutated bears and shit
0: it's totally worth it because at, oh, well, 18- <laughs> <worth it. laughs> at the end of the 18 at the end of the 18 hours you get a gun that fires railroad spikes and makes a choo-choo noise yeah it was great deadass <laughs> I fucking love that shit
1: but uh, no the world is it's ridiculous what they did with a good Fallout engine because it's all made in the Unreal engine right. but you can tell that they were using Fallout as a basis because all the dialogue options all the menus and stuff it's just Fallout. The characters are just look like they're taken from a Fallout game, but they're very, very well polished. They don't have that weird, creepy effect where they just turn and stare
0: directly into your yeah. eyes. Or they, don't,
1: or they don't keep their head straight, or they don't keep their body straight and turn their neck like to the, yeah. to the point where it's just looking like it's snapping. It's a really well polished game. They, it does borrow some of the mechanics from Fallout. It has a, a slowdown system, but they call it time dilation, not that. <laughs> but it's not a case of you can, you can... You can pinpoint certain body parts, but it's not just it doesn't come up shoot their leg for 20% chance of or 20% damage shoot their shoulder for is certain. it just bullet time it's just bullet time yeah alright it's essentially just VATS but without the overlay and without the like, so what we're saying is it's name.
0: legally distinct from VATS it's legally
1: distinct from VATS 100% good. and it, it's it's a pretty good game so far from what I've heard from people it's just it's, it's a good game it really scratches that post Fallout 4 itch because people weren't a fan of Fallout 4 it was okay was, people liked it for the sense that it was I, another Fallout game.
0: I liked it for the shooting aspect of it. I loved the uh, like kind of, almost kind of survival mechanics part of it where mm. I'm, I'm like scrounging ammo. Yeah. Um. The story was okay-ish, but once you start breaking it down, you're like, "Oh, that was really dumb." Yeah. Don't know why I did that. <laughs> there was no real like clear motivation for anything to happen. But if you get into that level of the game, it's bad. But if you just enjoy it as like a mindless shooter, yeah. it was good, which is. Not
1: a good thing to be saying about a, a really dense RPG game. But from from the little that I've seen of uh, Outer Worlds, the gameplay looks tight, the graphics look pretty fucking sweet. For it clearly being another Fallout-type game, it looks like there's enough within that game to, be, to separate it. So I doubt you pick it up, and it's free on Game Pass. Oh. So pick it up and play it. That's the only. That's the sole reason I have it. Hmm. Uh, that and so many other fucking games. So,
0: if I'm right in saying this is... he said it was Unreal Engine... One thing I noticed when I saw like a little bit of gameplay footage of this was that they're doing the right thing with the Unreal Engine, which is you have weird textures and you put weird lighting on it.
1: Yeah, I've seen a lot of purple in it, and I'm like, ooh, there's a lot of it. Uh, I think they're going more for the, whereas Fallout was very, green, steampunky, gritty. and green, and gritty, and they're going for let's go futuristic and bright, and all futuristic and bright and colourful. Because the locales that I've seen is you walk through a location and it's all, I think it's set in a kind of. Uh, an autumn type fall setting mm-hmm. and there's like the, the bright yellows the bright oranges and stuff and there's the green from the 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 lights above oh, some of the lights above you they've got this weird kind of green hue to them and the buildings yourself are self with this kind of bright red, hmm. the sky above you is this weird kind of deep green blue thing uh, they've definitely went let's try and make it a bit more bright and vibrant to even further separate ourselves from fallout
0: I did see uh, Jim Stalin describe it as garish but in a good way yeah it's, they're definitely
1: trying to let's just have a riot with a colour palette yeah let's just have fun let's just make it bright colourful and cool hmm I'm down for that yeah and again if you've got Game Pass it's free <laughs> it costs you no money it costs you maybe a couple hours of your time to let it download and do the character creation shit but I guarantee you're going to have a good time A couple hours just for downloading how big is that game I don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> never watched it download I just I mean I might have just let it download overnight but oh right okay because I'm, I'm, I'm impatient as fuck i just like keep coming back and say, oh it's at five percent i started downloading five minutes ago why isn't it done this is i i now live the, the no, r- i think it's a uh, 36 gig so it may, might not even take the full hour to download I, I live the life
0: of royalty now i have a plug i have a wired connection i actually took out my wireless uh connection uh connection card in exchange for like a pcie slot for something else and uh, i i decided to just use that for like a streaming card. I now live an entirely cabled life as far as, like, big... Like, my PC and Xbox, both cable in. Yeah. I, I do not bother with this peasant nonsense of Wi-Fi.
1: Oh, it is the way of the future, because my... Uh, before I changed my room, but my PC was on a wired connection, and I never, ever dropped any fucking frames when I was playing fighting games online. Mm. It was so good. Especially when you're playing early Street Fighter Five. Yeah. That game was buggy. You wanted the best connection possible, and when I was playing that on the PC it definitely helped to have the wired connection, but now I've sadly readjusted my room, and now I've now had to go back to wireless, which is not too bad, but I don't really play a lot of online games anymore.
0: I think what becomes very interesting for somebody who watches, like, all hardwired, and you watch someone who has to deal with, like, uh, wireless, is that you basically have to ask everyone, hey, can you guys just turn off everything Wi-Fi related? Yeah. With a tablet, phone, laptop, everything, can you just Turn off five minutes so I can download this thing, and I'll let you get all back on the network. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's
1: how it used to be. Uh. Oh.
0: <laughs> it's kind of it, it's sad in a way. It's oh, very how it sad. used to be.
1: When when you get to the point where you're like I have this ultra fast broadband, hold on, uh, can you stop watching Netflix for ten minutes because <laughs> I need to download uh, like Terry just dropped on Smash Bros. I need to download that. It's a four megabyte file. It shouldn't take too long.
0: <laughs> it should be half an hour. I'll be back up. Like, Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is one stage above the old dial-up connection where if somebody picked up the phone, that was it. Like, <laughs> I'm playing Doom, motherfucker. <laughs> Who the fuck did this?
1: <laughs> oh, that was that was a horrible experience. But talking about things from the past that are now getting a massive boon, Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. I'm going to launch into talking about Critical Role because... I was worried we were going to talk about racism. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Something heck, from the heck. past is getting a massive boon
1: uh oh <laughs> i mean technically we could get no nah, i'm, I'm not joking <laughs> let's not yeah, go that way let's not go that way i'm only kidding there's no there's no racism in Dungeons and dragons but and uh, yeah <laughs> although they did release a, a a supplement guide for the i think it was D fourth or fifth edition that basically just uh, painted uh, all black people as slaves okay and they immediately <laughs> took that back and said we're sorry we did not mean to paint this colonial view of colored people and quite fucking right get rid of that <laughs> shit like we can I, I think it's a good way to have those discussions to have that
0: allegory of like you have a, a world of multi uh, races in the idea of like dwarfs, orcs and whatever hmm. and you treat them in a very racist way but like, huh doesn't this seem suspiciously like something that happened in real history that we should learn from and we should progress onwards from but then to actually go, oh, like we have all these different mythological races, but still black people are the slaves. So <laughs> like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah,
1: clearly, someone <laughs> at had least that.
0: make it the orcs.
1: Come on, yeah. <laughs> that's the easiest no-brainer in the world. I mean, clearly someone was married to someone, and that married and that person's wife or husband cheated on them with a black person. and Fucking, I hate them all. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <I'll> show them. <laughs> show them you're all going to be slaves in this. But, but yeah, uh, that, I think that's the only really. Only really big problem that they've had in the past couple of years because the, the satanic panic of the early 80s and 90s in America is now over because everybody and their fucking dogs are playing Dungeons and & Dragons. And I think that is because of the... Not solely because, but I think as a hu- they have a huge part to play in it and I think that's because of the critical role.
0: It, there's been a massive yeah. pop culture influx. As people generally get more geeky yeah. with the rise think, of the Marvel movies and stuff yeah. like
1: that. I think it's become... I don't want to say the cool thing to do, but I think that's the only word I can use to say it. But people. It's in vogue. Yeah, it's in vogue. Yeah. It's, it's definitely in the zeitgeist. Uh, and people are just saying, oh, D is this cool thing. So many people are playing it. All these cool. All these celebrities are playing it. Yeah, I mean, you've got Vin Diesel, you've got Joe Manganello, you've got uh, uh, fucking Kevin Smith. Uh, the director Kevin Smith plays uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Interesting side. Judy Dench plays Dungeons and Dragons. I am so down not to only, roll dice with Judy Dench. Not only does she play Dungeons or did play Dungeons and Dragons with Vin Diesel, but now DMs for her grandkids. Judy Dench, fucking brilliant woman. You absolute
0: queen. <laughs> <laughs> like
1: I don't use the phrase a- Yas Queen lightly, but Yas Queen. <laughs> Dude, how much of a mindfuck would it be when M from James Bond <laughs> is your, is your DM? I'd be down for that. Judy Denture, you, if you're listening to the podcast, I would be down for at least one session if you DM'd it. I'd, I'd set myself down for a series, uh, even a podcast, of her playing D&D with her grandkids. That'd be the most wholesome shit you could ever listen to.
0: <laughs> it, it's Great British Bake Off, but Dungeons & Dragons yeah. edition. Too. Oh,
1: dude, can we get Great British Bake Off? <laughs> but, like, the cast of Great British Bake Off doing Dungeons & Dragons. Can you imagine Noel Fielding, Sandy Totswig? <laughs> can you imagine those fuckers doing D&D? That'd be great. But yeah, you, you've got all these people that are playing D&D now and it's fucking awesome to see it happening because I remember when we ran the d d club at high school we had to lock the door yeah because uh people would come in and go oh, what are you fucking doing then cuz it was not the cool thing to do uh we I mean we thought it was cool cuz we were always like we fucking loved the metal imagery of it we always loved the idea of being a giant fucking half-orc and cutting people down or in my case I love being a dwarf and use cuz <laughs> cutting I'm, people's ankles off cutting them. people's ankles off or taking a great hammer and cracking their spines with it but it was, we, we were geeky nerds
0: like this yeah. is what we, we enjoyed we enjoyed the Lord of the Rings we enjoyed all these like yeah. fantasy tales R.A. Salvador's uh, like stuff for actually Forgotten Realms which is yeah. d d in itself all that stuff is just cool to us but now it seems to have leaked out you know yeah, oh shit so many,
1: so many different uh, sort of shows and uh, podcasts and things that are doing d d now and it's all because of what people are calling the Mercer effect Right. Well, I don't think the Mercer effect appropriately describes it because by calling it the Mercer effect you're saying that this recent influx of people playing Dungeons & Dragons people playing Pathfinder other uh, RP other role-playing games is GURPS. Because of
0: huh? GURPS GURPS General Universal Role-Playing System it's another version of D&D but it's oh, more right, generic okay. right, yeah. it, there's no like lore there's no background there's no like realms <laughs> it, it's just if you want to make a system yeah this is the generic like
1: it's it's like uh, Unreal Engine. It is the the engine yeah. that runs the game. Yeah, there's also uh, when you said groups there, I was like, is that fake core? Because fake core is the same thing. Fake core is literally <laughs> uh, you have your you have your mass your uh, guide through the, the game, and they'll sit down and say, right, what are you doing? And they'll say, oh my car, I want to be this kind of character. Like, okay, so you want to be this kind of character? Maybe we're in a kind of sci-fi futuristic setting. and Then you just build outward right it. i'm very interested in fake or tried to run it a couple of times but the people that i was running it with were not fucking interested in any way shape or form right. i was going to have to do this big time travel uh, scenario where they go back in time but they leave a uh, technology that shouldn't have been there and that kind of influences the future but what happened was they went to the place that i was going to send them to they started a bar brawl burnt the place down killed the rest of the party and came home that's just how one you do of, it <laughs> one of them came home i was like okay i can't do this we're just going to call it quits but yeah uh it's, uh, they're saying that, uh, Matt Mercer because he is this new kind of celebrity DM and people are looking at him and saying hey, well, oh, Dungeons Dungeon Dragons is so fun and you can be expressive you can be this you can be that and more people are coming into the game which mm. is fucking fantastic but more people are coming into the game and thinking oh, it's going to be just like Critical Role it's going to be just like Heroes of the Veil it's going to be just like Relics and Rarities when you've got all these trained actors mm. being expressive and you know, they're going to be acting through uh, parts of the game they're going to be making these sort of massive worlds on paper and then they're going to play a game with the friends and realizing this isn't what I thought it would be. And most people are kind of tarring it with that brush. And that's what's making the sort of diehards of the, the game. Because I, th- I think at this point, I'm a diehard of Dungeons and Dragons. I've played it for fucking decades now. Yeah. And I'm writing my own adventure path because the Matt Mercer effect has hit me. I want to get back into not just playing Dungeons and Dragons, I want to get in, uh, back into a game. I want to be the DM for a bit because yeah. I've been watching that thinking, you know what? I know the exact group of people that I could get to do this. Yeah. And it'd be fucking great. Yeah. And I know because they'd get into it, but people are going to these games and thinking oh well the people i'm playing with i I brought in my uh, friend but she doesn't really play like laura bailey and i kind of want to play like laura bailey it's it's a good thing that she's not playing like laura bailey because laura bailey is an actor you can tell that she's doing this not just because she loves the game because you can tell that they do love the game but you're doing it because they're putting out a show yeah they're giving a product of we're selling critical role as a television show which We're, they are
0: now have actually successfully sold as a television yeah, show,
1: and it's my to um, Amazon.
0: Which, by the way, shout out to
1: fucking Amazon. Yeah, do you know how much money they raised for their uh, Kickstarter? No, it's like eleven million. Damn. It was originally they wanted to do a half hour special, <laughs> right? Saying this is the the first adventure. This is a little side adventure of Vox Machina, which is the first campaign. Uh, it's we wanted to do an animation thing then they got so much vacuum in the first hour and went okay let's do stretch goals and they went if we get this amount of money we're going to do one season 10 episode season then they got kept getting more money it's like okay we'll do two seasons that season will only be 10 episodes and then they got well within excess and that went right for every thousand or a hundred thousand we get over this we're going to do two additional episodes per season it's like, okay so what should have been a half an hour special turned into two 12 episode seasons <laughs> <laughs> with a potential for another movie to be made after that. Jesus Christ. So this thing, it's just kept going and going and going and going. And that's a fanatical fan base. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I I think they call them the Critters. Yeah, I think I've seen that. And they are a fanatical bunch because I know of a few people in in our area that are huge Critical Role fans. They binged the, all however many... I think there's 125 episodes of the first campaign, Yeah, which fucking mammoth task in of itself and I think they're up to date with the second campaign so there's 195 episodes across yeah. two campaigns they binged all that within six weeks damn son and I actually
0: well, I started it as well because yeah. you started it and you're like this is good shit yeah. like, alright I'll find it and I'll download a couple episodes uh, turns out it's on Podbean uh, so I downloaded a couple episodes the first couple I did not expect from episode one for there to be uh like Edited in sounds like they go into a bar, it sounds like a bar, they go into uh, like yeah. a dwarving mining oh, that's town that's not
1: edited in. What they use a program called Sirenscape. Really? That, uh, in my uh, in my Pathfinder group we've started using Sirenscape I and mean, literally what it is is that uh, you're walking in the woods, so you'll hear the kind of you hear the wind blowing through the trees, you'll hear trees rustling. And uh, if you want to put walking noise in, you can hit a button and it sounds like footsteps crunching on leaves. So that's live edited in? That's live edited in. They just play that's that in impressive.
0: the back. I was like, I I thought someone went back. I was no. like okay this this stage we're in this but if they do it live yeah yeah they do it live shit that's it,
1: awesome it's pretty fucking good that's impressive yeah it's really impressive but uh, so the basically that's what the the uh, the Matt Mercer effect or the pro GM or the pro player effect is people are getting disappointed by the fact that it's not how they're seeing it on TV and then when they're playing it themselves they're getting disappointed and they're starting to say oh no Dungeons and Dragons are a pile of shit I tried playing it with my friends it's not like that and people are associating it with that and then when they go and see it or they want to start playing Dungeons & Dragons themselves, and, they, and someone says, look at Critical Role first. They'll see how that plays and goes, nah, that's kind of too hammy for my liking, I don't want to play it that way. And I think playing a game like Dungeons & Dragons in someone else's style is stupid. Mm. The whole point and the whole beauty of this game is you can play it in whatever style you like. And that leads. this is going to lead me to my one and only issue with the entirety of Critical Role, because like I've said, the characters and uh, Matt Mercer's uh, DMing, faultless. Matt Mercer is a fantastic DM. If you want to emulate a DM, you couldn't go you couldn't go wrong. Copying uh, Matt Mercer. Yeah. He's expressive, he talks things through He's maybe a bit too lenient for my liking. But then again, I think that's maybe just because of my, who have who my GM is. Right. He's a uh, he doesn't let us get away with shit. <laughs> if we'll say something and we'll be like, all oh, right, uh, you know you're with um, a couple of demon slayers, you can't really say that you're hiding a demon, so you're <laughs> gonna have to fight your demon slayers. Uh, that was a whole fucking story that ended. Well, like,
0: like that actually doesn't seem that unreasonable. That seems like very basic. You forgot you were hanging it with demon slayers and mentioned your pet demon. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, we we grew we actually when we were learning we learned from a very lenient DM. Yeah, someone who was all just about the flow of the game, like just yeah, he, have a good time, have a, have a good time, tell a story. Yeah, that was his that was his shtick, and that's where yeah. that's where I learned anyway.
1: Yeah, I think I think we both learned part of that, but I think my style has now been informed by multiple different people because I like doing the voices like Mark Mercer would do, but uh, from uh, my GM a uh, guy named Bow. His, his last name's Bow but we are just, you know, when you, you get yeah. a nickname and it sticks. Yeah. Yeah, we just call him Bow A fucking fantastic DM. Uh, remember shit encyclopedically. You could be asking, it's like, oh, dude, what I roll here? And he's telling you every single bonus. You just hear the mechanic yeah, you, you can, can just hear the, the fucking uh, filofax in his head just split open and be like, okay, that's what it is. No books. He just reads this shit. <laughs> and he's just fucking very, he's like a fucking encyclopedia for Pathfinder. And uh, I've kind of picked up a bit from him. But must, uh, the who ran, who used to run the D and D club at our high school before he left, he was fairly lenient, I think. But that was because we were just starting out. Yeah, he was more just kind of let explore the cool world. Yeah. And then I think there was quite a lot of setting people on fire in our old campaigns. <laughs> a lot of people chasing dragons with boots, <laughs> which was pretty fucking cool. It's one of my favourite stories of all time. Uh, one of the people that we used to play the Dragons with back at high school, their first campaign, uh, the old teacher, the teacher that used to run the club, uh, made them fight a giant white dragon. Yeah. They ran it, uh, their paladin threw a sword at him, but the sword <laughs> broke. He'd enchanted the sword and he meant to throw the sword and get it in its weak spot, but the sword broke because he rolled an eight or so. He didn't roll high enough. Sword broke. So he tried to use magic, yeah. but the dragon uh, built up an immunity to the magic over the years that it had been hunted. So he had his boot left. <laughs> So he spun the fucking boot like Mjolnir and threw it at his head and got a critical. Nice. Confirmed the critical and rolled perfect damage. <laughs> the maximum amount of damage you could. And he went, you just knocked out a fucking dragon with a boot.
0: <laughs> well, it's such a, like, knowing who the DM is and knowing like all the people who probably would have been at that table, that's good. That's, that's pretty that, awesome. That's the type of fucking nonsense that would go on. Yeah.
1: But it, like I said, my problem, eh, going back to my problem with critical role, my problem with critical role is that it's very stereotypical. Right, in the sense that all the dwarves are Scottish all the elves speak with a very noble highborn accent uh, all posh the, twat accent all, all the goblins they all speak like this and they're all goblins <laughs> they, they, they've all got the very stereotypical fantasy accent and I texted this saying I have some pointers for them but my, my pointers for them would be the whole point of playing Dungeons and Dragons is to break the stereotype and as we're moving forward and more people are getting into Dungeons and Dragons that stereotype of Dungeons and Dragons only for nerds is being broken anyway so why stay within yeah. the confines of I want to be a fantasy paladin so I need to speak like uh, I need to speak or pre- I need to speak like Aragorn from Lord of the Rings where mm. everyone's just the kind a of low girl like no experiment I've never played a, a dD and d character a Pathfinder character with anybody's accent but my own I don't say I'm playing an elf so I must speak like this and everything must be overly pronounced and I must look down on people no I've played two one elves one must
0: espouse elegance what? even in the heart of the battle you're like fuck off it's
1: like, <laughs> you shall taste my blade die, die you cur I've played two elves in my time I played one like a surfer did <laughs> and I was like I, can't, I think I called him
0: surfing on your bones bro <laughs> what's I, up
1: I think I made him a I think I made him a ranger or a rogue and he just stole shit He's like dude I totally got your coin bars, bro <laughs> just played him like an absolute fucking surfer dude stole it and the other one I played like a uh, I played him in an Irish accent but I just made him a complete opposite departure of what you'd expect an elf to be so you expect an elf to be very prim and proper this guy was a total fucking slob <laughs> so, and not all all the associated tropes that are, that go with the fantasy realm need to stick when you play D&D yeah you don't need to play the Scottish dwarf. Play a German dwarf. German dwarfs can be funny. Play the a maybe f- hysterical. Play a Spanish orc. <laughs> play anything you want. Don't just see that again. This go this will go a long way to sort of break this pro party effect stigma. Just do your own thing. Be unique. Some of the best DD shows that you can watch on the internet are the ones that take the formula and just twist it a little bit. Because you've got Critical Role, which is a very traditional, very stereotypical Dungeons & Dragons game but then you've got a game like Relics & Rarity with uh, Deborah Ann Wall from Deborah Ann Wall, should I say from uh, Daredevil, she played Karen Page in uh, the Marvel Netflix shows a fucking great DM Mm -hmm. her whole thing is just all about playing the game, but she does it where she gives the characters an item from this kind of the shop called the Relics & Rarity Mm. so they actually got a physical item that they can use in the game but they also get a little sort of trinket thing that they can take away from the set and there's all about just doing different things within the game to make it so you're not just playing straight Dungeons & Dragons 5, 5th edition. Yeah, Play it 3.5, but just with a twist. And that's the greatest thing about Dungeons & Dragons in itself. It's no two campaigns will ever be the same. Yeah, You're going to get a campaign, and you will get a campaign that's, that's where everyone just comes in, we fight the bad guys. We're going to kill everything we come across. But you're also going to get a campaign where it's going to be, well, no, we're going to fight, but at the same time, if we can avoid fighting, why not? If you can talk to the enemy and say, why, why do we have to fight? Use like, your skills. Use the dice to make the game better. Not just go in and go, we're going to fight the fucking dragon. Let's kill it. Like Be a bit smarter. If you have to fight the dragon, cool. But if you can circumvent the dragon and get to where you're going without it, use your skills to the benefit. And that's another drawback. Uh, that's one of the, uh, the second part of the drawback of Critical Role is the player characters don't really use the finer aspects of their character because they can all throw down pretty well they've all got this yeah. really good team synergy but they've got the so the grog the barbarian he's just going and he's fucking shit up and then you've got the sharpshooter you've got the bard you've got the healer you've got the uh, the druid you've got the ranger the rogue there's this great team synergy but none of them really use their finer character traits to their to their fullest
0: I think that's um it's got to be part of how you set up the scenario as well is that yeah campaign of killing the goblins is interesting yeah but what if you're uh, you're you're, you're having to deal with a goblin invasion at the same time as dealing with a trade war but if you have tr- towns struggling to reach trade agreements you have to barter between both towns as like emissaries yeah. as outsiders they're okay you're from the outside you mediate the situation for us you have to run back and forward between these two towns but every time we do it goblins attack yeah I mean, play play with more than just the
1: combat rules yeah. there's a lot more there and, and that, that, that's definitely my point look combat is fun Everyone loves a bit of combat in Dungeons & Dragons because it gives you an opportunity to roll that all-precious D20. Yeah. It gives you the opportunity to do the cool fireballs, and it gives you the opportunity to use the cool greatswords. But some of the more interesting aspects of D&D are when you actually use the, the uh, NPCs that the DM has given you because I guarantee the fucking DM's going to love it. Like, oh, I've spent a lot of time making this character. Yeah. And even if it's a villain, there's going to be a lot of backstory to that as well. If you actually engage the... The DM and she'll say, "All oh, right, you want to talk about this? Sure." Because in my very first uh, Pathfinder campaign, my character, who was a monk, an insanely strong human monk, went to uh, score the killing blow on a an anti-paladin, which was basically a paladin that is, went to the dark side. Think yeah. of it, like Sith. If, if paladin could be considered a Jedi, yeah. and I said, "Can I just convince him to join me instead?" And then my DM's eyes lit up. and went, "Yeah, do that. <laughs> I, I don't want to kill this guy. I wrote." I spent three hours <laughs> writing this guy's backstory convince him to join you you can get advantage or you can get a, a bonus to it mm. so just come up with different ideas
0: yeah. there's a reason why if you've ever looked at a D&D rulebook there are mechanics yeah. for everything yeah Look, if you go into a D&D like the Dungeon Master's Guide you can see a mechanic for
1: how you buy a loaf of bread yep. I shit you not that's in there somewhere yeah there, there's, there's rules for bartering you you don't have to accept if you go into a, 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 an alehouse like a an alehouse a tavern fucking hell why could I not think of the word there if you go into a tavern and someone says it's weird
0: that you took that long to fight that word into place when alehouse would have done
1: <laughs> I, I didn't think alehouse was a word yeah <laughs> alright if you go into a tavern and you say oh, I'm going to pay two gold for that uh, pint and you say in fact you no know what I'm going to pay one gold okay now you're going to use a persuasion check yeah. like, convince them it's not worth the money you know? yeah. Yeah. it's all about you know, yeah. The play, combat, the combat rules, are going to cool. be there. Combat's going to be fun, but it's all about you know using the the more unique and the more niche aspect of your character. And
0: if you go in and I, I have a lot of three point five books where it's a lot of like self contained campaigns or yeah. guides on how to do the campaigns. There's always a ton of stats on each villain's uh, like combat abilities. Yeah, but there's then there's also like a little back door, There's always something you can use
1: if you wanted to try and persuade them against yeah. something. There's like, always a backstory that if you see uh, this, the character that I'm talking about, I think the character's name was Nawalia but uh, the way that my character convinced it was because I did uh, the way my character convinced her was by doing a I think it was an insight or a knowledge check on her then I realised through her backstory she was she just hated a certain person so I, I used that to kind of open up an avenue conversation and I think you're going to get a more well-rounded game out of it if you go outside the traditional yeah instead of just focusing ham-handedly on combat because again nothing but pure combat campaigns can be fun yeah If you want to unwind after a shitty day at work and just fucking murder orcs, sure, go ahead. Let's roll some dice. Let's have some fun. And that's all about play a drinking game every time somebody dies. Yeah. Ultimately. And that's what that's what D D is. Just have fun. But I think saying that people are have this new perception of D and D because of the pro party effect. I don't think that's justified. I think the pro party effect is more of a people aren't happy with the way that the game is actually played compared to how they play it on screen Mm -hmm. I think that's more of a personal thing than it is anything else but I I think the the pro party effect is a complete fallacy, it doesn't make sense to me if it's getting people to play the game Mm -hmm. even if it's just they want to play the Vox Machina campaign but with their own characters, just let them if they change it enough, cool
0: I'd liken it to gameplay and let's players like a game plays a certain way and then a game plays a different way when you're playing it to make a Let's Play or do a Twitch stream mm. where you're trying to be entertaining at the same time. yeah. And if, uh, one thing you were talking about just off mic was if you are joining or if you are a DM who has someone joined because they listen to Critical Role or they really like the story, they really they want to give it a go, um, the, the DM and the group should be all kind of in agreement of how the game plays. I, yeah. I don't know where I've read this but I'm sure I've read it somewhere about, there was just an article about, this was way before Critical Role, this was like 10, 15 years ago about, mm-hmm just having an a, an agreed tone for the room if everyone yes. wants to come in like the full thespian uh like acting performance of who the character is or even if they just they want a speaking character or they want to say oh i go up to this person's and they are always in the role or yeah. you want to say my character goes to this place and does this thing yeah everyone should kind of be in agreement of what's going on and just set that tone before the yeah. game starts if that wants to switch over time like people get into it and they want to, i kind of don't want to say like Gorg does this. I want to say I do this because I'm yeah. now Gorg. I'm in the. I'm in the role. Yeah, in
1: think, the moment. Yeah, I think that that's ultimately it's, it's another good thing for immersion and investment if you set the tone immediately. Yeah. You, you and know, you don't have to do accents. Yeah, no, you don't have to do accents. If you want to do accents, by all means, do it. Because one of the people in my campaign, uh, he does a a different accent for each one of his characters, and he knows he's not the best at accents. <laughs> Every time he tries to do a Welsh accent, it lands on stereotypical Indian. Every time he tries to do an Australian accent, he lands on Irish for some reason. He's not very good at accents. <laughs> Indian to Welsh makes sense yep, because absolutely my, it makes my, sense. My, da- Irish. my dad does
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> my dad, every time he wants to speak Welsh, sounds Indian. I yeah. have no idea. We have no idea where he's picked this up from. There are no characters that we all watch at the same time. We're like, oh that makes sense. Yeah. He doesn't like, he just has an Indian accent when he wants to speak Welsh. And yet, when you ask him, Hey, can you do an Indian accent? He can't do one. <laughs> <laughs> it's retarded <laughs> it makes no sense, makes sense
1: whatsoever but australian to irish kind yeah. of impressive in a way i mean it is it's very impressive because i don't know how he fucking does it either but accents can be fun but don't feel the need to don't feel the need to go into a, a game and think well i'm playing a half-orc barbarian i need to talk like this and i need to be the big stupid oak go in there and be the sophisticated orc. be a uh, be the the stereotype breaker my uh, in my campaign that I'm writing just now, I've wrote in the the sophisticated gremlin from Gremlins two right. <laughs> as a hobgoblin because I thought how funny would it be because you associate hobgoblins with being this kind of snarling kind of horror. It's like beast half, type. it's
0: halfway to a werewolf, isn't yeah. it? Yeah,
1: hobgoblins are basically just goblins
0: that are basically taller, it's a like bit eight, more muscular, eight foot tall. 240 pounds or something like yeah.
1: that hobgoblin's are horrific creatures, but how funny would it be if one came up to you and started speaking like this we just want civilization
0: <laughs> how funny would that be we'd rather enjoy this fire you seem to have wouldn't it be nice if we could have some of our and is not that what would happen you're like why because <laughs> <Of course laughs> it's funny what, what is this <laughs> and also if you're gonna do the spanish arc you gotta name him diablo because el diablo
1: no diablo, diablo. because you can say
0: Mi amo Diablo, <laughs> you will taste my blade.
1: <laughs> no, my Spanish art was going to be called Inigo Montoya. All right.
0: <laughs> fair enough, that's fair. Yeah, i just like a- the phrase mi amo Diablo. Mi amo Diablo. <laughs>
1: Maybe Diablo Montoya. <laughs> <laughs> you, you kill my brother, <laughs> <prepared> to die. <laughs> you kill my brother, prepare to die. Uh, uh, and at all points, if you want to have a good, successful D&D campaign, put in some Princess Bride references in there because it just deserves it, it it works every time Princess Bride is the ultimate d d campaign yeah be very careful though when
0: you're playing D&D and stuff starts to get off the rails this is one thing we we've dealt with in the past at a certain point it's just gone if you want to actually get stuff done if you have a not quite a serious campaign but if you have a campaign you want to play through mm. multiple sessions you want to tell the whole story you gotta rein that shit in as the DM yeah you need the party only so it's like we need yeah. to play this game for like the next couple hours to get onto the good parts yeah we can't get distracted with silly little nonsense. Yeah. Admittedly, you do just have to kind of let the party go and just let them do whatever they want. But at the same time, once they start making like weird accent jokes, you just kind of yeah, crack it on about bit. You do
1: need to rein them in. And, and you, you do need to rein them in to an extent where you just think, right guys, we need to, we need to move on past this. But at the same time, you don't want to railroad them.
0: Mm-hmm. Nothing less enjoyable than a yeah, railroaded D&D experience. Yeah,
1: there's nothing worse than wanting to go somewhere. I want to go and explore down there. Like, oh, you can't. Why? Because that's the forbidden Forest. Like you didn't fucking write it in. That's why. <laughs> it's like uh, the the bunkers and badasses DLC in Borderlands Two. Yeah. Uh, when you're playing it and you're walking down one place and uh, Lilith the Siren says, "I want to go to the right," and uh, Tiny Tina goes, "Oh, d- you can't." That's that's where the Dark Lord lives. And, she, and uh, I think it's uh, Mordecai just goes, "Tina, you didn't write it in." Did? And she went, "I had half an hour." <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Who was? I, I
0: had something about. Uh, Mordecai from Borderlands I think it's his voice actors popped up in something I was like oh shit he's now I can't he was at Comic Con that's Ian Sinclair
1: isn't it no no. what the fuck Jason Liebrecht
0: Jason Liebrecht that's who it is I was trying to figure out something I think he is obviously we were talking back and forth about the Vic Mignana situation yeah he's taken over from Vic as Crow in uh, ah, Ruby oh right uh, I'm just going to double check that while, uh, while I make sure I'm not definitely screwing that one up yeah
1: because you you don't want to you don't want to your foot in your mouth on the internet.
0: Yeah, that would never happen. No,
1: never happened. Nah, nah, nah That's fine. People don't people don't fuck up on the yeah, internet. Yeah, Jason leaked. Oh. It's
0: like, oh, it's nice cuz I I was looking at it and was like, I think I've heard that name before. Oh, Mordecai,
1: right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mordecai, Shampa.
0: <laughs> other things probably. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing. <laughs> I uh, actually, I think it was on the mindset of Ian Sinclair because I caught him in an episode of uh, Fire Force, which I've been watching, a mm. uh, new anime showing series about what I thought was going to be just firefighters. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But of uh, uh, kind of subdued anime, but realistic firefighting, it'd be kind of weird to see, but I guess it'd be pretty cool. I guess the uh, kind of weird to put, like, I think it's the right thing to do to put, like, a, a job like that on a pedestal. I was like, oh, this yeah. is a heroic pursuit. Like, saving people from fires
1: is pretty fucking cool if you yeah. think about it. Especially because firefighters, especially in the UK, could use a bit of good press right now. They're getting tarred and feathered. It's an essential gameplay.
0: service. Yeah. And uh, I just thought oh, this was going to be pretty cool, a nice uh, realistic anime. It turns out it's about a uh, wizard using kung fu to kill demons, but of they're all on fire. Oh, fucking corset. It <laughs> it's awesome, though. <laughs> but uh, Ian Sinclair, one of my new favourite voice actors, just popped up in there as that weird eccentric scientist. I'm like, excellent. Awesome. <laughs> It's Wheeze, but with a lab coat. I'm fucking sold already. Because uh, I've I've noticed he's he's appearing now in multiple rounds of the Funimation game that
1: we play yeah, we'll yeah. just try and spot the actor in different roles. I can see behind your PC monitor you've got Shin Godzilla there. Have you watched that? Not yet, no. He shows up in Shin Godzilla as well. God damn it. <laughs> no, did you I listened to it and I, th- I was just sitting listening. To That's Todd habercorn That's Oh, it's Todd Haberkorn. Yeah, That's Todd Habercorn's the main character. Nice. Uh Ian Sinclair's in there. You will hear a couple of Chris Sabats. A couple of Chris A couple bats. of Chris Sabats. You will hear a a couple of well known female voice actresses. I think Christina V's in there somewhere. Mm, nice. And there's a by the way, have you followed her on Instagram? Yes. She's clearly out there to show the booty. And I'm <laughs> all for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ridiculous. It's,
0: it's weird that she's such a she's a very good voice actress. She's yes. uh, the voice of darkness in the Conosuba uh the English dub for that
1: mm. that Crunchyroll's making. And she's very good in that role. Yeah. I've seen her in a lot of video games because I played a game called Invisible recently. Mm. Fucking fantastic uh, RPG. But it, it's a different RPG. There's a lot of platforming in it. Right. But the uh, the combat style is not all turn-based. It's more uh, each character is assigned to a button on the Xbox controller. Right. So you'll have your main character, who's called Ajna, she'll be assigned to the Y button. If right. you hit the Y button four times, she'll do a different combo based on that. And if you move the thumbstick, it'll do a different version of the move. All right, And all the characters map to that. She plays a character... Fuck, off the top of my head, I can't remember because I finished it a couple of weeks ago. But yeah. she plays a character in that. She also was meant to pop up in Fire Emblem, but she got replaced, which I think was pretty shitty. Yeah. She's meant to play one of the main characters in Fire Emblem Three Houses, but she got ousted. But yeah, huge fan of Christina V. And uh, I know a few people that are massive fans of that show Ladybug that she does. I don't think I've seen that. I. It looks... <laughs> Weeby is all hell, even even nice. though it's French. <laughs> but uh, she plays a superhero called Ladybug, and she has a f- uh, a, a sidekick, accomplice, partner called Cat Noir, voiced by Bryce Papenbrook. All right, then. <laughs> it's a French animation, but technically anime because it's very stylized. Oh, I think I might have heard something it's about this three D CD type of animation.
0: I've not heard about this one. I was doing something different. Uh, excuse it's me. Weird that Bryce Papenbrook is playing the sidekick because he's normally the like shown in protagonist, shouty boy. Yeah he's uh, I think I'm trying to remember if he's the one yeah Bryce Papenbrook is Sword Art Online yeah uh, which is he's amazing. also very
1: short in real life oh really yeah very short
0: Huh. he does play a lot of short characters
1: yeah uh, Not I, surprised. I met him at Con a couple of years back and very small <laughs> <laughs> him and Johnny Young Bosch are quite small yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I guess there's there's a thing where um there's some people who like there's the whole like face radio type thing yeah and a lot of voice actors are very good actors they just don't nobody wants to cast them on TV yeah. and I think there's a lot of very talent. it's just an unfortunately biased thing that people yeah. have um, I don't think it's really that fair because I'm like dude have you seen half the talent these guys have they could easily yeah. go out onto acting most of them are stage yeah. actors or on camera actors who just never made it big in Hollywood or who just never wanted to Yeah. but at the same time I'm like dude these guys could come on just rock a fucking set
1: yeah. although uh, one, one actor that kind of broke that stigma was uh, Jason Douglas He's been appearing in live-action shit for a while. He was the devil and Preacher. He was in The Walking Dead. He's done a whole shit-ton of movies. Yeah. Uh, and, it, obviously, he's done his animation stuff. Well,
0: well Geekin... I'm, I'm talking, like, mainstream appeal. Like, weirdly, this is going to sound like a weird thing to pick on, but, like, Law & Order, Special Victims yeah. Unit, NCIS, all those, like, big American TV shows, yeah. they won't cast people like that unless it's for, like, a one-off little side role.
1: Yeah, I suppose. as I, I think Jason I actually Douglas did
0: see Todd Haberkorn in an episode of Law and Order SVU or something like yeah. that. I was like, I'm thinking Jason weird.
1: Douglas was probably in a few episodes of that shit, but no. He, yeah. Just as a side on Jason Douglas, that guy's a fucking giant, by the way. Yeah, like Easily into the middle six foot, like six foot four, six foot five, that kind of thing. Hmm. Fucking giant of a dude. <laughs> and it's quite weird because you've got him sitting there and you've got, at, at the line at Comic-Con it was just everyone descending, then it bumped back up at Troy Baker <laughs> and just descended <laughs> as it got to the Power Rangers. I uh, I actually should give a quick
0: shout out just as we're in a kind of general mush segment of like weird things we need to point out I want to shout out to uh, El Goro on the Talk Without Rhythm podcast Okay. who has for the 10th year in a row completed 31 days of Halloween that means he has watched and reviewed on a podcast 31 Halloween movies or 31 horror movies in 31 days
1: so he's been doing this for 10 years yes I'm guessing it's a different set of Halloween it's,
0: it's his rule is horror movies I have never seen the Rip. man has seen three hundred and ten horror movies in ten years. Jesus, I don't think is... I've seen that many movies total in my life. I think the I man might is own that dedicated movie. to craft. It's unreal. I mean, I've been following him. He was actually the first podcast I listened to. Yeah, uh, so he he's responsible for all of this. Oh, so what was the fuck the, you, girl. What was the metal <laughs> podcast? Because I remember the Sons of Metal podcast, Sons of metal metal podcast. was part of for a while. Yeah, um, so I listened
1: to that on your recommendation. I thought, it's a fucking good show. Yeah. I even sent in a, a an email to them talking yeah. about. I think I asked them to give me some advice on a pre-game playlist <laughs> and it was just like it was all this fucking heavy as hell black metal and death metal I like, I'll listen to this yeah, I'll, I'll give this a go I'll, great go. Great I'll... Recommendation. whatever happened to that podcast is it still going
0: or I can't remember it's uh, it's been like he's been going in his main podcast there's a weekly double movie review uh, the first couple hundred episodes are, are gone he took them off because at a certain point we produced several thousand podcasts I think mm. he might be up to Main episodes in the 600s, something like that, mm-hmm. 4 to 600. I think he's in that region. All right. Which is insane. Um, But he has been double feature movie reviews of stuff that he watched either online or in cinemas. And he actually is one of the people that's kind of saying you should give Terminator Sel- uh, Sel- Dark Fate a go,
1: which is all interesting. Right. I've, I've seen it. Uh, do you want me to just give some brief. I'll, I'll finish the Elgora <laughs> shout out
0: it because uh, I, I think he definitely deserves yeah. some praise and attention because I just, again, three hundred and ten movies and it, it's funny that he hit a point where he just he picked the wrong movie having he's going into this all sight unseen and it was based on uh the fact that this would be a good comic book or good uh movie to review off of a 1930s comic book okay. that he'd read and was like, oh this is a horror comic book turns out completely fucking botched it in the movie adaptation <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> tried to make it a sexy a film about a sexy vampire woman the woman wasn't sexy he's, there was nothing appeal like she's a model she's a very good looking woman yeah. but she isn't sexy on screen right. but there's a certain different quality like there's a certain way that she wasn't moving she was very stiff and awkward and stuff it's like her first time on camera for a real film mm. And you are like oh he's watching it oh i completely fucking botched this <laughs> <laughs> like oh so he, but other than that uh 30 solid recommendations i actually have one of them Uh, it's called the man who
1: laughed it's a 1930s film oh that's the film that inspired the joker yes that's why i got it Uh, and it's all about i think the main crux of the film is that he physically can't uh, stop smiling there's a a problem with his uh, facial muscles he's always got the smile on and you watch that even just the images that you would see online you think yeah bob kane clearly looked at this guy and thought there's a villain in here yeah so you don't get the joker without the man who laughs well, the, the the
0: review that he did of it included a lot of the conversation about the, the Joker and uh, the origin of that character related to the movie The Man mm-hmm. Who Laughs, and I say this is this is where you realise you have a podcasting veteran somebody who gets all the shit in a row in one big PDF and will talk his way through it and give yeah. you his uh, take on the movie as well as different little pop culture things, very good little uh, IMDb links between different characters and stuff like that. Yeah, I honestly hats off to you, Yogor. You're a fucking podcasting king. I highly recommend the tworp, tworp podcast, Talk with rhythm. rhythm, TWOR podcast, absolutely fucking love it, so yeah,
1: you were going to say. Yeah, and no, I was just going to talk a bit about uh, Terminator Dark Fate, because I went to go and see it because I heard that it was good, I heard that it mm. wasn't completely butt fuck awful.
0: That's so, that's the weird thing where everyone who I've talked to about this does the exact same thing, it's not just that it's, it's good, it's just taking a second and then, good. Yeah, it is. <laughs> because
1: I I watched um, Terminator Genesis after I watched Terminator Dark Fate, and I kind of thought I understand completely why this movie, why they needed to reboot and rein this shit, and because uh, the whole plot of Terminator Genesis is that they somehow managed to change the timeline, right? Because uh, Matt Smith, who is a new form of virus Terminator, like
0: Matt Smith as in the doctor, the doctor
1: Matt Smith, right? Okay, with a horrible, fucking horrible American accent. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's not the worst American accent that you hear in the fucking movie, uh, but he infects John Connor with this weird uh, techno virus thing that causes him to become this weird nano machine terminator thing. So they use John Connor to go back in time, launch Skynet, and kill his mother. But in doing so, he creates a new timeline where uh, John Connor uh, doesn't get but or not John Connor. Sarah Connor gets a Terminator sent back at the age of nine to kill her but she somehow manages to beat that Terminator and reprogram (laughs) it Right. so that Terminator then becomes her guardian so then when the other Terminator at the right timeline comes back to save her to kill her the other Terminator that tried to kill her kills that Terminator and then all of a sudden the T-1000 from Terminator 2 is stalking them and it completely fucks up the timeline then when Kyle Reese lands there Sarah Connor's not a fucking waitress. She's this gun-toting badass played by Amelia Clark. I was going to say, this is the Amelia Clark one, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just a fucking mess. <laughs> this is an absolute fucking mess. Amelia- How
0: long does it take to go from like the start of the movie to Sarah Connor has a programmed T-800 to kill the other T-800? Half an hour. Half
1: an hour. Not, maybe not even half an hour, I think. Shit. 20 minutes. Because you get the preamble of John Connor saving Kyle Reese, Kyle Reese becoming his right-hand man, and then you get the pretty cool fight where they break into the Skynet base and and take over the time machine. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Matt Smith, you know, infects John Connor with the virus. So I think, yeah, 20 minutes before it all it shit hits the fan. That is an absolute nightmare of a movie. Oh, it's, it's fucking awful. I didn't make it all the way through, but not because it was... Can I ask where you saw this? In Netflix. It right. on, my brother bought it on Blurry. I was going to say, like, cause who, who's paying money for this? <laughs> no, fucking Netflix. Uh, I, I got part way through the movie i'm probably going to go back and watch the rest of it just for sheer drinking game brain cells have a fucking couple of whiskeys or something i don't fucking know but (laughs) it's just i mean the t-1000 that they introduced doesn't even look like robert patrick from terminator 2 right he's asian okay i mean he kind of invokes how robert patrick runs because he's got that very I've trained myself for over, year, over the fucking years because I was in the military to run a certain way. Right. He's tried to copy that, but at one point you've realised that this isn't even close to how uh, Robert Patrick looked and how he ran. Hmm. And they try and copy the whole... Uh, the bit when he clings onto the car and he tries to crack open the doors and, and then they just keep trying to call back to Terminator 2 and it's, it's not great. And that's where I think most of the modern Terminator films keep shit in the bed because they keep trying to be the next Terminator 2. Right. The Terminator 2 Judgment Day is the best Terminator movie of all fucking time. Term- the Terminator, the first one, is fucking great. Terminator 2 just takes it and builds upon it. Yeah. And every film since then is trying to be the new Terminator 2. Even Terminator 3 tried to be Terminator 2 again. Yeah, true. And it was fucking bollocks. And then, uh, so uh, Terminator Genesis. If you want to kill some brain cells and drink, watch Terminator Genesis because it's not fucking good at all. But uh, Terminator Dark Fate starts off with two completely new characters. One called uh, Daniela, and I can't. I think the boy is called Diego Ramos. Right. Completely unassuming, kind of like the same thing they did in the Terminator. The original Terminator. It's just kids. It's just uh, two people, two completely unassuming people that are just going to work they're talking to their dad they're making their lunches they're going to fucking uh, they're going to work one kid wants to make it big on uh, big in America so he's sitting vlogging on his phone uh, uploading shit to Instagram then they drive to work uh, but on their drive to work you see the two time orbs one drops a woman called Grace who I'm guessing you're not fucking bothered, bothered about spoilers I've already I've listened
0: to the, the twerp episode oh you've heard all things yeah, so I've already, uh, I've already, I've already yeah, so
1: Grace yeah. falls from the uh, the time orb and she is an enhanced soldier from the future sent to protect Daniela Ramos. Yeah. Or Danny is what she gets called. And then there's the uh, other character who is the or the other person that comes into the time orb is a, a new enhanced robot created by not Skynet because Skynet fell. It's Legion this time. Uh, by Legion, yeah. Right. And this is called the Rev-9 played by the dude that played Ghost Rider and <laughs> Agency S.H.I.E.L.D. because I don't know his name. Something Luna, I think. I, I'm not going to remember that I don't know it's definitely not Diego Luna because that was in Rogue One but uh, he's he's playing uh, the new sort of infiltration unit that is essentially just the liquid metal Terminator from Terminator 2 I've heard that he's uh, he's more natural like the, the T-1000 was very
0: it was obviously not a human being it's a yeah. very good acting job that he doesn't seem human mm. but at the same time this is a lot more kind of natural like if this was to actually infiltrate a base it would actually get the job done
1: yeah it's, it's more intelligent in the sense that it's not just this weird kind of Stunted human. Yeah, he's actually he has some human interactions. There's, I mean, there's a part when he breaks into a, I think it's a an, an immigration holding area, right? Because they try and break through from Mexico City to Texas illegally because they think
0: so. It, they go to an ice ice facility. Yeah, they immigration go immigration control.
1: Yeah, they go. <laughs> em, they get caught by immigration control because they're trying <laughs> to break through, and they realise that Sarah Connor's with them, and she's wanted in every state in America. Right. And this uh, Danny Ramos, who's Breaching state regulations by trying to go from Mexico to Texas illegally, so they they catch her in the the sort of immigration control area, and a, there's one point where the, the Rev Nine Terminator just starts speaking in a Texan accent, yeah. and I'm just thinking that would fucking happen. I like that. That's yeah. pretty smart.
0: If a computer knew that was if that computer, would work,
1: it would do that. Yeah, if a computer was intelligent enough to infiltrate, because all the Terminators are meant to be infiltrators. Yeah, why wouldn't it try and adapt to the culture and not be this kind of? Mm-hmm. Almost or well, definitely inhuman. Because I'd say
0: when you look, look at Arnie, I always look at Arnie. I think of uh, Woody from Toy Story, where like it's just like you pull a string and it just yeah. says a thing, and he's like, "I'll be back." And you can yeah. you just hear somebody pulling the string back to get him to say something
1: else. Yeah. And uh, so once you, you've got uh, the the two characters, the two characters that drop from the future, Grace and the Rev Nine, but they've changed the time orb and uh, how the time orb interacts with the new or, and, and the new sort of timeline. And the original it was this kind of ball of energy that created heat and it would just burn through everything or anything that yeah. it came in contact it, it makes a sphere, like it burns into the ground it yeah point. it burns into the ground and it cuts off the side of a, a, a large articulated lorry, yeah. uh, sort of big lorry and, a, and you can see the burn marks and where it's cut mm. down, but in this one it has some weird kind of ice effect to it that I've never seen before, so when they landed in the new, t- in the, new in the past from the new timeline, the time orb freezes everything around it and because of that, it doesn't manage to land successfully onto the the bridge that Grace tries to land on. Oh. It puts her through the bridge, freezes all the struts and stuff under the bridge, and she collapses right down through it. Huh. And it's the same with the when the Rev Nine lands. Same thing. They all land naked because apparently it can't take clothes. Still haven't figured that one out yet. Nope. Still. Like, whole, you need it, butt naked. I was gonna
0: <laughs> say like it was a whole new AI system. It's not Skynet. Skynet never launched. It Skynet never launched. Legion. Yeah. Which is like a different whole other thing. Yeah. Maybe it was Totally like, not Skynet. Yeah. totally legitimately legally distinct from Sky legally from um, but I, I get the feeling that like if the the way they must work it out in head is like the last one burnt and melt stuff this one freezes because it's mm. somebody like someone took a different path to get from Humanity to Skynet, then yeah. humanity to Legion. Therefore, Legion would be programmed to think a different way and maybe it found a different way. Yeah, maybe to it, time travel. the
1: after effect of the time travel is completely different. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, there was actually a pretty cool scene when the Rev 9 uh, goes back to the past. Uh, when he lands, the Time Orb materializes in the middle of a a sort of flat and a, an apartment complex. Yeah. It's at the top during uh, what I assume is the sort of washing day because there's all these clothes lines around them and it freezes the clothes solid. Yeah, and you just get this cool scene of uh, the Rev Nine collapsing to the ground and all the clothes landing and shattering around them. That's cool. It was a pretty cool scene to watch, yeah. uh, and that's the thing about the, that's another good thing about the film is that there's a lot of cool scenes to watch. Mm. Some lot, a lot of uh, just really, really well shot uh, scenes. There's a part where Arnie's Terminator and the Rev Nine Terminator are fighting underwater. Right, and you're sitting thinking they would sink immediately at the bottom. They wouldn't float about and try and fight. Yeah. They like no, because you've got the heavy, like, pure whatever steel they made the Terminators out of. Sinking to the bottom, and he's just got a hold of the Rev Nine. Yeah, I mean, the Rev Nine. I assume would be light nano machines or light material yeah. that he'd be made out of. But Big, still yeah. he's, he's still think. he's still metal technically. You've he, still got the weight of Arnie pulling it. I thought that was pretty cool to see, and how the uh, the Rev Nine makes weapons and splits himself apart. Yeah, because he's got this weird endoskeleton thing, and he can send nano machines off as a different part. I did see that in the trailer. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, and that's... it's pretty cool to see because he's got all the. He can change his hands into blades, and he can sort of take part in the nano machine, throw it at them it's it's (laughs) nano spear it's just this massive black steel nano spear that it throws at them and it's a it's pretty cool watch and uh, they've done the characters right i think yeah because the base Danny ramose is basically sarah connor from the terminator she's like i'm just a fucking i work in a a vehicle manufacturing plant
0: i'm just a person i wasn't supposed to be involved in the fight for humanity future
1: Like, and she does have a really cool point, which is like, I don't care what this future. I don't care uh, if I am meant to be some big leader from the future, or I don't care if I'm meant to make the leader for the future. Uh, I'm not gonna let this person die because Grace puts herself in fucking danger at all times. Blah blah blah. Uh, And then Sarah Connor's there just to kind of go, just fucking do it. It's your fate. Just come on. As I found out when the term when I fixed the timeline and then a fucking Terminator popped back through time and blew my son away with a shotgun. (laughs) That's a point. That's a point I will mention before we continue. Uh, They mention they they pick up directly after uh, Terminator 2. Sarah Connor has stopped Judgment Day. She's in fucking Hawaii or something like that enjoying a couple of drinks. And John uh, Connor is up at the bar talking to a girl then uh, the Terminator rises out of the ocean with a shotgun in his hand just walks up and shoots probably 12 year old no 11 year old John Connor in the chest damn they did not I mean it's clearly a digital sort of recreation of how young when you say the
0: Terminator is it Arnie or is it like it's Arnie (laughs) (laughs) that's so fucked up I love it It it's (laughs)
1: incredibly fucked up considering what happened in Terminator 2 yeah
0: all the, all the love all the affection exactly because you yeah.
1: he think in Terminator 2 John Connor sees this as a father figure yeah. so when he sees the Terminator comes out and goes oh we, we killed him oh man he, we're tight with this guy Why? He has, bang <laughs> shotgun <him in. laughs> <That's laughs> it, it was it was a good scene because oh. you're just thinking right because you, you think of how the implications add for John because John wouldn't hate the Terminator when it's coming at him or yeah. he'd be confused because thinking we burnt you yeah. why are you here but then Sarah Connor immediately has that thought of shit we didn't kill them all yeah. John gets shot away then that Switching, and Sarah Connor's head goes from "I can trust Terminators." Terminators can be a friends to Fuck all Terminators, <laughs> but she doesn't kill that Terminator because obviously she has other shit to deal with, and she's in a public place. She can't start firing down on a Terminator, yeah, because, to her knowledge, she stopped. She killed all the Terminators by stopping Judgment Day.
0: If you watch your son, son get shotgunned by fucking Arnie, you'd yeah. probably spend about a good five minutes in shock.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. But one thing they they do mention in Terminator. A dark Fate and something that I kind of forgot was the fact that the the skin that they put on Terminators is living tissue so they, it ages right and my whole point was why the fuck is t- uh, Arnie looking so old as a Terminator here then they explain it it's living tissue it can age because it's an infiltration unit yeah and I, th- I still kind of thought it's kind of weird <laughs> <laughs> it, sure.
0: it, like on the one hand yeah but on the other hand no yeah. <laughs> like really big no to that one
1: because <laughs> I mean why would you go from Obviously, it wouldn't really matter. It's all just to do for blending in, but you'd go from the kind of massive physique of early 80s or late 80s uh, Arnold to just the kind of still fairly like old man, shredded, uh, yeah. like old man, ripped physique of a uh, modern current Arnie. And I was just thinking, it'd be a weird thing to say, but a weird thing if they put it in that it would just be that like his head would be a bit older, but he still had the, the young Arnie body. <laughs> but no, it, w- it would make sense for the infiltration unit to be to blending in with society yeah I just uh, we've never thought of the long game in that way before yeah and you've never and the whole point of the Terminator is that you kill it as quick as it shows up so to have one actually living for past I think it was 20 odd years since Terminator 2 maybe longer um I
0: would assume it's, it was 80s 90s when Terminator
1: 2 came out 91, 92 maybe
0: well it's set in the early 90s late 80s yeah because Guns N' Roses is still relevant yeah Guns N' Roses so... and
1: John Connor is incredibly 90s
0: so I I'd, I'd say it's gonna actually be closer to about 30, 40 yeah. years. So, so yeah, you would age up to a bit of a beer gut, yeah. bit of <laughs> a bit of grey hair in there as well. Like yeah. you would, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: And what else makes a lot of sense is how Sarah Connor's character has developed. She is fucking done with this shit. She yeah. is surly. She hates everything. She's very like very annoyed by this whole thing. So her whole purpose now is just to kill Terminators. Where she they pop up,
0: she is like. Five bad days away from becoming Jamie Lee Curtis in the new Halloween movie. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's, it's, she's kind of already there. Yeah, it, she uh, she hides. <laughs> one of the weird uh, points that they mention in the movie is that she hides her mobile phone in a bag of crisps because apparently the foil of the crisps stops uh, the crisp bag stops signals getting to her phone.
0: A little Alex Jones, but okay. Yeah, it's a
1: little Alex Jones, but then uh, when she meets up with uh, the T eight hundred later on. The T eight hundred calls her out and it says, "You do realize that has no tactical advantage whatsoever. You're just a crazy woman putting your bag, your phone <laughs> in a bag of crisps." Because you find out that uh, Sarah Connor's been getting these texts with exact coordinates, with exact times and dates, uh, saying that there's going to be a terminator here. Show up here, kill it. And the, the texts are always ended with a uh, like the same stamp for John, right? And it's the. Uh, She'll be getting hundreds and hundreds of these texts and that's how she meets up with uh, Danny and Grace because she gets word that the Revenant is going to be on uh, this bridge in Mexico City at this time, blah, blah, blah. Then through the progression of the story you find out that it's it's the T-800 who has learned to change his programming almost. So he then almost learns remorse for killing John. So instead of deciding to just shut down because his primary function has been accomplished, he then decides, I'm going to give Sarah Connor's life purpose. This is explained very weirdly in the in the movie because the terminator says something along something along the lines of you showed me that my life could be more than just killing people mindlessly i could i could carve my own path i gave you these coordinates so you could do something that you wanted to do and i could give your life purpose i'm just thinking you're a terminator first things
0: first you carve your purpose in her son's chest with a shotgun
1: do you did you forget at the start of this movie within five minutes you shot her son with a shotgun at point blank range. There's not much of that <laughs> boy left.
0: He ragdolled into a pool.
1: <laughs> it's, he it's, smashed through the bar.
0: <laughs> this is not okay. Like, I can't humanise you at all.
1: Yeah. He, and oddly enough, Arnie's probably the, one of the most human characters in the movie. Because yeah. Grace, she plays the I think the actress name is Mackenzie Davis. Want to say? Mackenzie something?
0: Uh, it yeah. does sound familiar.
1: Uh, the, she plays the character well, I suppose, but she plays the the uh, the soldier a bit too well, because everything everything about her just, I have a mission. Shut up, listen to me. You can't do this. You can't risk your life. You're the, you're the leader of the new rebel but alliance. She's the like she's from the future.
0: Yeah, she's from the future. She she's, she has lived through hell and yeah. back. She's an apocalypse survivor. Yeah, I wouldn't expect she her to wants be all this like, shit to end. Hugs and bunnies. And yeah,
1: but that it doesn't break. She stays this kind of surly character right up until her eventual death because she's the Kyle Reese character that comes back to save humanity right. she has to die okay. and how she dies is she uses the power core for her enhancements to basically melt the Rev-9 into the ground because it's basically just this massive energy surge yeah. uh, that Danny stabs into the eye of the Rev-9 the Rev-9 melts but oh, well, the Rev-9 is in the process of shutting down and it keeps trying to clamber back up and get Danny then the T-800 just goes fuck it for John and just yeets himself into the <laughs> himself into the uh, I think they're fighting in a at the Hoover Dam or something like that a big hydroelectric plant Yeah. so then he's at the bottom of this massive sort of silo kind of trying to clamber back up then the T-800 just goes for John falls on top of him <laughs> stops him getting out so they're that's all getting shocked and melted and shit that's so good I, it's <laughs> it well, was for <laughs> <laughs> John especially sitting, when you describe it as a yeet because <laughs> he was sitting there he fought he, uh, Danny stabs him in the eye and the two of them are fighting still and then uh, the T-800 grabs them and falls down the, into the silo and they both get impaled on these spike things as the lightning from the uh, the power source is crackling all around them and then he just sticks his arm out and holds them down and just goes for on John <laughs> and then dies <laughs> but uh, no, it was uh, I went to see it at the, the View Cinema in Livingston right it was a very it was a very enjoyable movie but not not a uh, Terminator 2 level but definitely nowhere near as bad as T-3 Salvation or Genesis I mean, but it definitely wipes its fucking metal dick all over all through those movies.
0: I've been thinking about this uh, just just as a general retrospective, because my brother just saw the movie, and again, it's the same kind of. It's good. It's, like, not bad. it's not bad. It's not quite the Force
1: Awakens of the Terminator
0: series. It's it's people say it's it's good. It's not great. It's good enough, and yeah. I think that's it's a sad thing that we have three classic sci-fi horror kind of uh, like franchises that have been shot on so badly for
1: the last couple like. Okay. 20 years I'm struggling mm-hmm. to think what they are obviously Terminator yeah Alien mm-hmm. and Predator oh yeah how good are the first couple Predator oh, movies I Predator 1 and Predator 2 are fucking outstanding I don't care what anybody says people people can shit on Danny Glover's Predator 2 all they want but I fucking love that
0: movie uh, it, it's are good 80s action movies and the people who are making the remakes are all fans they're yeah. all people
1: who want to play with these toys yeah. and but no the, one seems to get it right no one gets it right the guy who directed The Predators the new one was in the very first Predator movie oh, no. he was uh, the guy that was reading all the comic books a guy named Shane Black he directed Iron Man 3 or he either directed Iron Man 3 or Thor 2 but yeah. uh, he was in the very first Predator movie so he knows the process behind making that first movie and then he puts out that
0: pile of shit Oh, is that not The Predator
1: yeah that's The Predators
0: oh you mean no That there was The Predator and there's Predators Predators is the one with the samurai
1: battle I pred, I Predators that's the one with uh, Crazy Lawrence Fishburne and yeah. Topher Grace and shit yeah, yeah I The uh, Predators that's the no The Predator is the new one
0: The Predator was the one with the, the Alpha Predator and Keegan-Michael Key
1: yeah and,
0: <laughs> so bad <laughs> Once so, ago, I wanted that to be so good and then everyone who went to it was like this is horrible
1: yeah I mean th- the coolest thing for me was seeing uh I think Yvonne Strahovski was in there from Chuck. I was like, "Good to see you're still working." <laughs>
0: Don't um, know who that is, but it, it's, if just, she's one of those like kind of niche characters that
1: you fell for, and you're like, ah, "I quite like that just person." Good-looking Australian woman, insanely tall. Okay. <laughs> Very leggy blonde.
0: It's nice. I like the sound of this, yeah. but I just you you we find these three great franchises, these these just prime sh- bait, shit in the bed, and just every time they step up to play, it, whiffing it. Yeah. But, but it's think good to see that Terminator got a little bit of its footing yeah, they've back. Got toe hold. Got, yeah. They've got a toehold. <laughs> they've got a uh, toehold. They figured out how to stand up.
1: <laughs> yeah, they figured out how to stand up again because I don't think I think Predator is done. Aliens is limping on because there was Alien Covenant, which was horrible. Yeah. It was a fucking anomalous wreck. <laughs>
0: it's just the fact that there was no good adaptation of them. No, no. games, no TV shows, no you nothing. You played
1: Alien Isolation.
0: Uh, well Alien Isolation is the I suppose that, probably I the thinking of the Alien Colonial Marines no Colonial uh, Marines was shit <laughs> Colonial Marines was so bad it was almost resulted in
1: a lawsuit I want to take every single copy of that game and reduce it to toilet paper and wipe my ass with it <laughs> oh, that's how annoyed at this game I am I forgot something
0: in the Fallout 76 thing okay. we were talking about earlier uh, the company we talked about is Zenimax mm-hmm. is being told by the Australian government they have a very strong uh, consumer protection agency out there uh-huh. so if you have a complaint Nine times out of ten, if you're the customer, you will win over a company. Yeah, and uh, it's happened again because uh, Zenimax were refusing to put, give uh, customers refunds for Fallout 76, and the Australian Consumers Association said, "No, you will be handing <laughs> you out will refunds." Be giving them refunds. This is a bad game. You owe these people a refund. Yeah. So I just I forgot to mention that because it was one of the like funny and little notes.
1: True and fucking rightly so. If you're putting out a subpar product, you need to be called to task, and that leads more into. The aliens movies because they're making another movie after Alien Covenant. Mm. So you had, the, I mean, it's all to do with this new series of films that uh,
0: it's part of, like the Promethean.
1: Arc. Yeah, Ridley Scott yeah. is trying to make because the Promethean Was it Prometheus? Prometheus. I was okay with Prometheus. It was okay if you distance it from Alien.
0: Yeah, if it was its own if Alien. You have ex- it
1: in the Alien universe, but not yeah. connected to Ripley, not connected yeah. to the Nostromo, yeah. and you just have it as its own separate thing. It's a decent flick. But then you go from that to Alien Covenant, and the only linking factor, and that being eggs uh, and the face hugger and stuff like that eggs the face hugger and David who genocides an entire race of people the engineers David goes to their home planet and just drops one of those uh, bombs with the black ink in it Right, it just kills them all right. because he wanted to see what it does <laughs> it's just like you're not a fucking likeable character and then uh, what was his name
0: oh, I forgot I that. it doesn't matter. that's part of the, the, the whole Promethean thing of that is that they find the raw like, bacterial form of what becomes aliens in, like, millions of years
1: of evolution and they just eat it into... (laughs) Yeah, they just throw it in... I forgot about that. They just keep eating it. (laughs) They keep fucking fucking trying it. These guys (laughs) made xenomorphs, but Ridley Scott doesn't do a simple A to B story. He's got to be like, oh, let's make the journey from A to B billions of years and then if the final product is E, we are never getting to xenomorphs because... The alien that they fight in Alien Covenant isn't a xenomorph, it's a protomorph, so it's not even the final stage of the prototype that becomes a xenomorph. Mm. It's still some weird shitty offshoot, and it's fucking horrible.
0: I think I'd love to see a franchise fully explained. like In the way that Game of Thrones season 1 through 8, it's a weird journey to take, but now that we understand all of it, things make a bit more sense. And I think if you were going to do the entire franchise, Aliens would be a pretty good one.
1: Yeah, Aliens would be a great franchise to see, because... There's so much in there that you need to talk about. Because you had a good story with Prometheus because you're explaining where they all come from. Mm. Explain how humanity goes up to the stars. Explain what the fuck and yutani is. Mm. Explain, I mean, Ripley's story in of itself is interesting enough to focus on but you're never going to get Sigourney Weaver back. Sigourney Weaver said, you have fucked it up too many times. <laughs> I have come back for the shit too many times. Yeah, you, you made me not come back it. for Alien 3, you made me come back for Alien Resurrection. <laughs> I am fucking done. And <laughs> I think it stands with the, with the rule that all these franchises had two good movies and that's it. Because Alien is fucking superb. Aliens, untouchable. As mm. with Terminator and Terminator 2, Predator and Predator 2. You're never going to get better films than those. And people keep trying to, and I think at this point, it's only our only choice is then to just leave them, like leave it at what you've done because you're not going to get any better than it. Yeah, you need. I think the problem as well that these movies started off as single movies, yeah,
0: and it would go, Oh, we need a sequel, oh, we need another sequel. And that point, somebody's like, I d-
1: I'm just gonna make it up this time. Yeah, let's just keep milking that. Like, uh, Ripley is a clone of a clone who is now the alien queen. Does that sound good? Yeah. You want to go to lunch? Yeah. yeah that was a good, yeah, go. good. We, we We rocked this one out. <laughs> just to hire the Asian and Let's
0: have the rock part. Let's do this. That's, I just think that there's uh, that there was movies made to be single movies that were smash hits. Yeah. And then some coked up producer goes, another one. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like,
1: okay, we have no ideas. Yeah. And I think.
0: Because I think that's what yeah. scared Hollywood off of trilogies for all. Because trilogies are a very good way of making movies now. Yeah, it seems that people absolutely. have found the pacing.
1: Um, I. I yeah. I think it also takes a lot of stones to leave it at a trilogy because you've just reminded me of something else. I kind of wanted to get your opinion on. There is going to be confirmed a fourth Matrix movie with Keanu Reeves coming back as Neo, yeah. Carrie Anne Moss coming back as Trinity. Yes, Trinity. I haven't seen them in a while. No went, one has. I went back and rewatched Reloaded and Revolutions. Those movies are dog shit. <laughs> the first, even the first Matrix, is good, but it's not. Groundbreaking like it used to be.
0: It, it's groundbreaking if you
1: just saw it in two thousands. Yeah, if you've seen it uh, maybe a couple of times. I watched the Matrix. I watched the Matrix trilogy way too many times when I was younger because mm. it was the cool thing. Everybody yeah. watched it. Uh, but it's yeah. got Michael
0: B. Jordan's in there as well. Michael B. It? Jordan's in there. Yeah, I. I just it, that's one of those things where this might work. I'm just gonna leave it, step back, yeah. let's see what happens,
1: and then we'll go from there. Oddly enough, this current stint of remaking movies, I kind of blame on Halloween because how fucking good was Halloween I people realised they want the old school horror and the old school movies to come back and then Halloween did it so they thought everyone likes it. Remakes have been going on for a while I think they're just, but I think Halloween doing it right is making more of them come to the forefront.
0: It's, It's just that I think what's happened is that that remake engine turns along about 18 years or so and we've now hit the point where shit we liked is at that 18 year mark where it just gets dragged forward yeah. and it's it's trying to come through so it's all stuff we've seen there's been tons of remakes and remasters and stuff of shit that we never watched yeah. that much you and just we've me worked our way through to the point of this is shit that we now have to re-watch or uh, watch the, un, the un, uh, unrequested sequel to
1: yeah and uh, speaking of unrequested sequel which I'll, we'll get on in a second but I'll just talk about this quickly first uh, I've seen a couple of posts on Twitter of people saying we've heard rumour that uh, John Boyega is somehow attached to the Prince, the Princess Bride remake. I thought, people were saying, oh, if he's playing Wesley, I'd be down for it. I went, no. John <laughs> Boyega's a good actor, but I stay the fuck away.
0: Was the Princess Bride not one of those things that there were several movies that's like, do not fucking touch this movie. Don't yeah, try. We'll leave it. You can remaster it. You can re-upgrade it, whatever. We'll Re-release hand over- it
1: for 30th or for an anniversary.
0: We'll hand over cash. Hand over for, for that with just some extra commentary or something like yeah. that. We'll give you a full DVD price for just a touched up version do not remake and then immediately it's like oh well if we're putting that guy in it that I like I guess we'll like dude don't fucking touch it you just just gave an inch they're going to take a mile yeah
1: and who cares if it's John Boyega playing Prince Wesley I mean they could get the fucking Charles Dance in there that guy's a fantastic actor I'm still not going to fucking watch it (laughs) imagine that guy's interpretation of Prince Wesley (laughs) because Prince a like a great fighter Like in the book apparently it said that when he was fighting it was like seeing a a shadow move Charles Dance ain't gonna move like a shadow. <laughs> shadow <that laughs> I was gonna say, like, do you know another Charles
0: Dance that would actually be
1: a good in a sword fight? I don't think nah. he's got it in him. Oh, like, apparently he's gonna be in the new Star Wars. Ooh. I'm I'm not talking about a movie. I'm point, talking about he's gonna be in a show as either a Jedi or a Sith. Okay. As a Sith
0: lord? Like as a as like not quite Emperor Palpatine, but someone in that yep. type of Supervisory Sith role, anyway, because that that's the way it works. There's always the young, like martial arts expert Sith, and then there's the old supervisor Sith. Yeah, there's that the, sits the, at the back two. puppeting the. St- yeah,
1: there's the Palpatine executive manager, yeah. the managing director. Yeah, but mm. you just have year going there is another, and it's Charles D'Angie but
0: all right then, let's settle on for the second half of this movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See what this shit's doing. But yeah, the Bill and Ted sequel, talking about unnecessary sequels. Yeah, it, it's not going to be good. Uh, Keanu Reeves is experiencing a bit of a renaissance right now, and I think he's riding that, and I think that's going to carry it into Bill and Ted. He's been doing that, f- like, that's been hinted at for a while, though.
0: I think this has been in production for, about, 18 months? Yeah. That's when I first started seeing rumours of a Bill and Ted thing, and i like, I don't really give that much of a shit about Bill and Ted,
1: but... now I love the first two Bill and Ted movies, and now that there's going to be a third one, I think the two of them are too old to play those characters. And the only way
0: they can do it is to do it as a bit of they're too
1: old to be these characters. Yeah, and it's going to be bad. It's going to be like Dumb and Dumber 2. (laughs) It's going to be painful to watch. I don't want it. Dumb
0: and Dumber, but this time it might actually be related to serious medical conditions.
1: (laughs) The opening part of that, uh, of Dumb and Dumber 2 is, uh, what the fuck's his name? Not Jim Carrey, the other guy. Jeff Daniels.
0: No, he's just the other guy. Uh, Jeff he doesn't Dan- have a name he's just the other guy <laughs> uh, so Jeff
1: Daniels keeps going to this uh, mental institution to check up on Jim Carrey's character and he's because he, the whole thing is he's stuck in a chair a wheelchair he hasn't like you know he hasn't cut his hair cut his beard and like that. so he's just sitting there with this kind of blank expression on his face for 30 odd years okay. and then at one point he shits himself and then laughs in uh, Jeff Daniels' face and says I fucking fooled you man obviously he doesn't swear because I think it's a PG movie he just goes I got you man I made you come here for 30 years wipe my ass make sure I pissed oh we're in for this kind of a movie (laughs) Uh, okay (laughs) I didn't uh, and Dumber 2 was bad (laughs) so Uh, fucking bad
0: I I remember the I can't remember which bit it is but there's a, a Family Guy sketch where Peter just gives up within like 30 seconds of a screening like he walks into a screening sits down the show I'm this thing. Oh no, I am the worst thing of this part. And he just stands up and goes done and walks out. <laughs>
1: I can just imagine you walking at the cinema and go, nope, done. I was giving me the cinema. Dude. Picked up my Xbox controller and went, nope, none of that shit. <laughs> we we are not doing this. I do not pay five pounds a month for this shit.
0: I'm just thinking of like a weird like perfect mm. series of tangents from what we've been discussing. I uh I, I found old clips of our senior Hall. It okay. uh, yeah. was
1: a U.S. comedian, and he has he's the he's still a talk show host. He's one of the longest running talk show hosts in America, I think. I think, yeah, I think he he's was, the only one that's still doing that. Has that show hasn't changed hands? He's um he was doing, uh,
0: he was doing a bit way back, and it was when somebody was on there, somebody was on, and it was a protest at young something to do with uh, why don't you have somebody yelled at him, why don't you have gay hollywood celebrities on to discuss the gay like issue of the 80s um like why why isn't why don't you have gay representation on your sh- on your show and arsino just lays into this guy for five minutes like fuck you i do have gay people on here you just don't know about it there's people here who can't come out and he just goes on a bit like look buddy stop politicizing my show yeah. this is my show go fuck yourself i was like that's a bold stance it's a really it's a proper like a well thought out response to this guy who was basically just screaming and yelling because he wants you know inclusion or whatever. Yeah, you know, dude, this is legendary. Can't believe no one's. I've come. We've never seen this show. Can't yeah. We've never really listened to Arsenio Hall as a, a comedian before. And they had another clip of him interviewing uh, Jason, <laughs> for Jason Takes Manhattan. Oh,
1: but Jason Voorhees. Yes. Fucking hell. It is
0: unbelievable. It's mm-hmm. five minutes of just Jason Voorhees sitting on a couch, staring at Arsenio Hall and him like trying to make like typical chat show patter. Yeah. Fucking, unreal. it's so funny. It's yeah. so funny because it, it works as a bit because it's the only time someone's been dumb enough to do this bit. <laughs> but then I imagine
1: it worked the first time. But.
0: Funnily enough, he uh, he had a special come out on Netflix, uh, Smart and Classy. I think it's called. It's fucking good. It, again, it's one of these great uh, old comics or older comics hmm. coming back to give their take on modern life. And uh, speaking,
1: it's that, actually pretty good. Just on that subject, actually, I did watch a bit of a Chris Tucker special on Netflix, Tambourine. Yeah. He has a bit talking about how he's never gonna to go to Wesley Snipes for money <laughs> advice again. I thought that's fucking great and, and the sign. I'm fuck, and the the line from it, I'm blade, I don't pay fucking tax. <laughs> brilliant, absolutely fucking brilliant. It's it's a good special and his the thing I liked about his was I think most of his most of his jokes are helped by his voice. Yeah. Like the delivery of each joke is just boosted by how he how he actually says it, how his voice carries over.
0: He's Tucker's delivery has always been amazing and he's yeah people all working in that one and I like that it was personal I like that it it probably hurt him to make that and be that honest in front of an audience and spend months polishing a routine that's about you how shit your divorce was it's it's a good special I'd highly recommend if you've got a chance uh, Chris Rock's Tambourine and uh, Chris Tucker Chris Tucker wait I thought we were talking about Chris Rock no I said Chris Tucker I have not seen Chris Tucker's Chris special.
1: Tucker specials. Pretty good.
0: Oh, I thought you were talking about like Chris Rock's no, tambourine. I've, I've
1: seen a Chris Rock's tambourine oh. where he's talking about God's mistakes, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty fucking funny. Again, I'm more, I'm all for these older comedians coming back and yeah. doing uh, specials because if
0: they're still good. Adam
1: Sandler's special was pretty fucking funny i didn't know he could be funny <laughs> no one knew like, we just he's up there doing songs and he's going to have a whole thing you're like, these weirds
0: you're, you're happy gilmore did this one it's
1: like, yeah, <laughs> dude it was it was pretty funny uh the only the only new special that i watched that i thought was completing out dog shit was a uh, kevin james right my parents recommended it to me it's like, oh dude I, you know we don't like american comedians but this one's really funny and i watched it and I just thought this is just that show King of Queens condensed in an hour and a half mm. it's all the same humour all the same part I was like nah I ain't doing this he, he, he spends uh, ten minutes talking about his daughter's birthday party at one point and how she got drunk on uh, rum cake I just thought this is bad like I'm expecting the the, the shepherd's crew to come out and grab him by the neck and pull him in it's okay
0: the Oscars <laughs> music it just starts playing in the background <laughs> the <you're> like- <laughs> curtain's close in front of
1: them. <laughs> take the hint leave <laughs> you're done now sit down uh, I did watch. Uh, I did finally get around to watching the the Dave Dave Chappelle special, and I uh,
0: I think we talked about it because yeah. you were like, yeah, what that was it, that was mean. <laughs> it was mean, but I don't think it was that bad. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that. It's uh, the internet blows everything out of proportion. Uh,
1: I did find I did find his uh, the the Chinese bit funnier than it oh, should be. So <laughs> 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 it's the bit when he just goes, "This is how I fear inside," <laughs> and he does the face. and I was like,
0: I oh. think the worst part of it is there's a half second pause where you go, he's gonna do the face, <laughs> and he pulls his <laughs> eyes open and you're like, oh no, he did it. And he pulls the cheeks. Back. <laughs> I yeah. If we're yeah. talking about vulgar comics, though, I watched uh, Nikki Glaser's stand up special, banging. Okay. And we there's always the whole thing of oh, like female comedians just talk about their vaginas. Imagine you took that too far, but it was so far, it was funny. This is an this is an honest discussion about sex
1: from a woman's it's perspective. Nikki Glaser, the one that said she wanted to be mollied by Ari Shafir on Joe Rogan. Yeah, something wrong with that woman. <laughs> She's,
0: well, she is a, a, a not quite nympho, but she is. She has described herself as like sometimes I just want to get fucked, and that's part of the it comes up more special. Was sometimes I'd, I just wanted to get banged because it was easier than actually putting effort in and giving a blowjob. job. Cause if you have given a blowjob, I got to move my head and you know, yeah. Whereas if you know you want to get fucked, I used to lie there. <laughs> I get repetitive
1: strain injury move my neck. Yeah.
0: And, like that's it. if you're talking about like crass level humour. Mm. She did it and she made a great special out of it. I had a fucking riot watching that. There's part of you watching going, I can't show this to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no one can know I've seen this. It's
1: horrific. It was great at the same time. Oh, I started watching. Uh, I started watching the uh, clips of this is not happening on YouTube. Oh, I finally got around yeah. to watching the one of uh, Ralphie May. Jeez, Ralphie May. Just when he's talking about the gay wedding. I was just, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Your son saw that. <laughs> it's just the line when he goes, daddy, he got a big old peepee. <laughs> that's not a pee son, that's a dick. <laughs> right, so right. Ralphie May was
0: hilarious but at the same time, I have the same fear of like the way the American comedians talk about drugs. I'm like, dude, statute of limitations might not be up on some of these stories. Yeah.
1: I was listening to uh, Someone just someone did recommend that I listen to uh, Doug Stanhope. He had a special. I think it was called Beer. Oh, Beer Hall Hall Push is so fucking good. It's fucking awful, man. What? It's so bad. Oh no, Doug Stanhope is not fucking funny. He's about as funny as getting shot in the balls. (laughs) I find him as funny as arse cancer.
0: Is Burrell push the one where he talks about letting his mum die? Yeah, it's so fucking funny. It was a so brutal. The, <laughs>
1: the clip that I originally got introduced to Doug Stanhope was uh, the bit when he's talking about it. It's, it's a very young Doug Stanhope, and it, it, one of the jokes is that like, I was talking about, uh, like, I was talking about my addiction to kitty porn, and the way he says kitty, the way he says kitty means kitty. Right. And he said, "Oh, the cats never seen to fucking mind." <laughs> I said, plus I'm not out there listening to kid porn. I was like, oh, I'm young enough that I can still bung, uh, bang high school chicks. I'm like, you're not fucking funny, man.
0: He's <laughs> sitting down. He he's always made me laugh because he used to be on uh, Charlie Brooker's uh, Newswipe and right. Weekly Wipe and stuff. Right, yeah. He was the American that sat down. <laughs> he and, the he, No, he literally was brought on as now our correspondent from America, Doug Stanhope, and he'd wheel out a chair, plop it in the middle of a fucking road, and we'd just be filmed because he lives in but fuck nowhere in Arizona. He nah, just right. plops his chair, like his house chair, like the you know, like uh, the house, uh, the house chair from like Fraser. Yeah, yeah. Where the dad just has this one chair that he just keeps using again and he again. And lazy boy, yeah. It's that he wheels that out into the middle of the thing, pulls it, drinks it's down. It just it plays like a wonky American anthem. He says, "I'm Doug Stanhope, and that's why I drink," and that's like it's his intro to his segment on the yeah. show every week. And he just goes through something about American politics and he's just this warped, horrific view of life and just this absolute nihilism that just courses through his veins and I find him fucking hysterical but the the, the, the
1: more power to you but I I can't I physically cannot oh the bit about his
0: mum die is fucking horrible but we were quoting that for days at work afterwards (laughs) (laughs) that's the problem if you have people who are in that sick comedy mindset you just keep feeding each other more and more and more and you
1: you know I'm always down for some sick comedy but I just something about him I didn't think he was funny I thought his delivery was a bit off and I thought the jokes that he was telling just weren't funny
0: He's, he's either your thing or he's not. Yeah, he's very not he's
1: definitely marmite. I uh,
0: I I just who else was there? Was there anyone else that I watched recently? I'm trying to remember because I've seen a few specials that was like oh, I kind of like this one, and uh, but I, yeah, the Arsino Hall one was really good. I I really can't believe Chris Tucker did something good for yeah. some reason. I Chris don't Tucker, know his
1: special was pretty good. Yeah, I think he's got two specials in it, both Ooh. on Netflix. Worth uh, definitely worth a watch because most people see him as that fucking annoying guy in Russia, mm. but as with uh, most sort of. 80s, 90s, 2000s comedy stars, they, they had a pretty decent grounding in stand up comedy. Yeah. So they've got like that to fall back on. And I think more people are. Nine t- times
0: out of ten, it was a stand up comic who was offered a movie deal.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at George Carlin and Bill and Ted. Yeah. He was Rufus and Bill and Ted. So you think most people, if they were successful comedians, probably parlayed that into a movie career at some point. Yeah.
0: I, th- I would love to. Uh, I want to hear what Eddie Murphy has to say, though. Yeah, they've been talking about that. Soon. Well, I don't know. They've not. I don't think I've seen it confirmed. I, I keep I, hearing I, numbers like seventy million for a special, and I'm like, but when I, like, I heard
1: Netflix have locked them down in a four special deal, shit. He's make like apparently he was he was shopping around trying to get networks and shit. The Netflix just threw money at him. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> like, one story that I heard.
0: I, I like that, Dave Netflix went. No, we're taking this, Eddie. We're taking this seriously. Look, bang, <laughs> just,
1: <laughs> shit. That's a lot of zeros. <laughs> But I think Eddie Murphy needs to sort out his jokes because if, he's, well, if he t- if he tells the same gay jokes that he used to, he's going to get getting a lot of shit.
0: Well, he has said, "I would take it immediately in a heartbeat if I had anything to say," and I was like, "Oh, that's good. Yeah. That that's artistic integrity. Yeah, in a medium that most people don't think is that artistic or has its own integrity." But yeah. proper stand-up comedy has a really honest way of uh, like putting things out there. Yeah. So if it, if he's waiting. To have something to say, and he is, I don't think. I think he probably was holding off for a bit more money because yeah. why wouldn't you? Yeah, if you've got the leverage, you know why wouldn't you? But I would say why, why not go for it? If mm. he has something to say, and if he has, I don't know if he'd have four specials in him, but one or two.
1: I think he's got maybe yes. he's got one fucking outstanding special in him. I guarantee you that much. But two? Yeah. Nah, I think that may be a bit of a push. Plus, I don't think like there's no way there's not one. Yeah, I'd say yeah, maybe two. There's one there. And there's one bubbling away at the back of his head, but two, two might be a bit, might be a bit of a push. But that's the thing. All, all comics in general are now measured against the success of those who are above them. And I don't think there's anybody that's really dethroning Kevin Hart right now. I don't like him. I don't think he's fucking funny. Uh, but he is. He is making waves in comedy. He's making money. He's making big fucking statements.
0: I ca- I know he's not everyone's favorite. I cannot wait to hear from him. Having heard him on Joe Rogan, yeah. having seen how in- introspective and Mindful he is in a way. Mm-hmm. He is not as mater- like he looks very material from the outset. I yeah. don't think he is. I think there's something in that man that is constantly working and like yeah. pushing himself further and faster. I cannot wait to hear him after he's recovered from this car crash. Yeah, because he almost he is barely walking. Yeah, the near fatal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, severed like spinal column and stuff like that yeah. and broken back and you're like, I cannot wait yeah. to hear him speak again.
1: And I think despite the fact that he's not my cup of tea, uh, he is objectively the greatest comedian on the circuit right now because he's just, yeah. he's selling out not selling it in that sense he's selling it arenas yeah. and he's staying he's basically his brand of comedy's not really changed he's kind of keeping it consistent and I think uh, people have to kind of measure himself up against that part and that's got to be a factor and so Eddie Murphy's thinking when he's, when he's looking at this the current situation with the legal the the sort of comedy circuit just thinking can I break into that again can I be that again because Eddie Murphy was the biggest comedian of the 90s
0: every comic who goes around now was inspired by Eddie Murphy yeah, I mean you have to look at his SNL
1: career his stand-up career fucking raw Jeez, <laughs> that, yeah raw holy shit that, the, the only reason people bought purple jumpsuits <laughs> the, the only reason to ever buy a purple jumpsuit yeah, I nothing mean, has got a chief. No, I think Scrubs got it right when they could barely walk in those fucking things
0: that's that's a fucking great bit Yeah, <laughs> like, we bought this because we thought it looked cool maybe <laughs> <laughs> no, can't move because it's so solid we've already said that ain't coming back Oh hell no! Yeah, <laughs> I I am fifty. Fuck you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't blame him. I am not putting myself into that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, you got to match at some point. You have to force those things on. Fuck yeah. that. But yeah, I I greatly anticipate. I greatly await the uh, the coming back of the the older comedians.
0: That's the only thing I think might be holding Eddie Murphy back is I need to beat Raw. Yeah, you need. To I can't Raw. come back half cocked. I yeah. gotta go in for it, and I gotta. I, I don't know if he's look who he's looking at right now because. I don't think he would be that worried about Kevin Hart. Yeah. I don't think he's putting himself there. I think his marker is Chappelle.
1: Yeah. I, I, th- mean, I can use Kevin Hart just in the sense of, kind of illustrating oh, yeah, like these guys he, are at the top. This and is as high time. as it gets. And this is Kevin where he Hart, used yeah. to be. Yeah. Because that's uh, that,
0: that's one thing we forget is right before Shrek, <laughs> he is a hot comedy property Yeah, in a term we barely understand. Like, the Kevin Hart compassion is apt, but comically... Dave Chappelle. yeah, as far as like, meaning Dave Spell, because I don't think Kevin Hart and Eddie Murphy are quite the same Yeah, there's a lot more there's a lot m- there's a lot more savagery in Eddie Murphy's day but he's acknowledged that so when yeah. he comes back it is going to be a, a different animal
1: yeah. than what uh, we expect I think it's going to be definitely worth watching because mm-hmm. I think he has some shit to say he's had some pretty rough uh, rough experiences over the past decade or so I think yeah. he's got some shit to say yeah Good or bad, I'm I'm going to be able to watch it because I think '90s Dom needs to see this. Yeah, because the amount of sh- shit that you used to watch when you were younger that had Eddie Murphy in it, all the movies, all the uh, the like, all the cartoons and shit that had Eddie Murphy in it. Like, oh, Eddie Murphy voices this character. Eddie Murphy's this guy. Or fucking here's Nutty Professor Five Billion with the mm. and the entire planet is now Eddie Murphy <laughs> just to see. <laughs> Eddie Murphy when he mm. put that shit behind him and he's now doing different comedy. I think yeah. I need to watch it. I, I, de- I definitely think if Eddie Murphy does come back, I think we need to watch it. Absolutely, just for the sheer spectacle of the whole thing. Oh yeah, but uh, we can have a movie night. We we can have a movie night. Yeah, <laughs> we can drink. I, I don't. I don't really drink anymore, but I just can't be bothered with drinking. Like it's it's not something I.
0: It's not something we talked about on the podcast, but we both kind of tried to do sober October and we both failed, but we did. Yeah. a lot
1: better than we thought would I, I can't remember what knocked me off the Sober October but uh, it was probably something horrific
0: it was something to do with rugby game because I texted you saying I just fucked up Sober October because I, I needed to have uh, whiskey with steak Oh, because I was, needed
1: it one night it was I was watching the New Zealand England game Yeah, and I was I was, uh, I was fucking New Zealand as fuck because uh, there's the rule inherent rule in any Scottish sport that every Scottish person supports two teams Scotland and whatever sport they're playing and any team that's playing England yes uh, anybody but England, ABE is there. So I was... Which actually surprised
0: um, Americans who saw a, a tweet that Scottish Rugby put out, something on their official Twitter saying, we just want to say good luck to the English. The response to which was somebody saying, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it is anyone but England. <laughs> and they're like, really, is it that bad? I'm like, yes, fuck yes. the English. Anybody but England.
1: It's, it's more because they, if they win something, we as Scottish people never hear the end of it from English people that happen to be in our country they won a world cup once it was 70 years ago they won two world they won, they won two rugby world cups and they still haven't shut the fuck up about it yes despite the fact that the past previous to this world cup that's just finished the past two times that they played Scotland we beat them and we drew with them hmm. that's meaning we still get to keep the trophy that we play for every time we play so fuck up but yeah I was Watching New Zealand just get their shit pushed in by England was like, nope, I need a whiskey. <laughs> this isn't good. had <laughs> another one and another one.
0: Okay. But yeah, I, I think it has... I've been working on that a lot this year and I think the last two months have definitely changed uh, my perspective on how much alcohol I want to drink. I think it's just been something I've been working towards for the last couple of years in general. Yeah. But I think this the last couple of months have really solidified it for me because yeah. I was just stuff that I would deal with outside of, like podcast, I've just been like, I've been a lot better the yeah. last couple of months. Fitness-wise nothing much has changed, but I like um, the hours adds to your day.
1: Yeah, if you're not going out drinking as much as you used to, you definitely find that you've just got more time to do shit, because you used to find that when you were drinking a lot, and obviously I cut way the fuck, uh, way the fuck down, because I started back when everyone does, when they first turn 20, 21, you start drinking a shit ton. I was out every weekend drinking. Mm. And, uh, as Second, I've, you've got disposable income yeah.
0: and the le- nothing
1: legally stopping you. Yeah. Uh, there was a comedian that uh, I was telling you about, Randy Feltface. Yes. Uh, Australian comedian. that is, He's uh, basically a hand-operated puppet, a really well-designed hand-operated puppet, but the guy that voices him is uh, Heath McIver. Right. Very Scottish name for a very Australian dude, but uh, he talks about that when he stopped drinking, he noticed, like you, he had just so much free time because most of the time when you're when you're drinking, you kind of exist in the hours that you're not drinking. More often than not, you're just kind of bobbing along. Yeah. I imagine it's kind of being in a bottle. You pop out the bottle. Uh, well for me, it's go more for fucking drink Then you pop back in the bottle and you bob along again. Yeah.
0: It is more to do with the fact that as soon as I take that drink, there's stuff I can't do. Yeah. I can't go. F- I don't really want to. go I could probably go for a run, but I don't want to go for a run. Yeah. Uh, I can't. I don't want to go into the, the weights. I don't want to go like weightlifting or anything like that. Yeah. I just never when you're drunk. Like no, nah, absolutely not. <laughs> like weightlifting has a lot to do with confidence. But being drunk in a half a bottle of vodka and then doing deadlifts is
1: gonna put you in the fucking hospital, mate. Yeah, you're you're gonna spew your load right there in the gym or in your front room wherever the fuck you seem to be lifting.
0: Yeah. And I I just feel like the the more time I have where I'm mentally just on a hundred percent, I'm okay with it now. Yeah. Where before I was like, I just wanna switch off. Yeah. I'll have a drink. But then I realize afterwards I'm like, I really could have done with going to the gym this, this evening. I yeah. shouldn't have had that drink and I just had I found myself doing that a couple times a week and I was like the fuck am I doing what am I doing
1: for me it was just most people say that when they have a drink it's at the end of a long stressful week or it's at the end of a a pretty harsh day at work and that's their reward that's their uh, end goal their carrot on the stick for getting through that day and I'm just thinking if your end goal is to get through the day go home and have a beer have a glass of wine have a whiskey have a vodka that is a shit goal
0: it's kinda of dangerous as well because it's uh, very dangerous. It creates alcohol as a like a almost Pavlovian as a response. Gift, as a treat. And it becomes like a thing of like, I expect this treat at the end of the week and then all it takes is one little slip of oh, I should get this treat every day, why not? Yeah. Exactly. It's that same indulgence that leads people to people being overweight. Um I yeah. think you can easily fall in that trap. So I mean I I'm definitely failed, sobered spectacular Spectacularly. Yeah. Um, but I am still quite happy with how it's changed and I'm, I'll be seeing how I do with uh, yeah. different uh, amounts of drinking throughout a yeah. months which is good over Christmas as well because you're about to be handed a lot of
1: drinks yeah over Christmas when you get to the because we're almost 30 some of us closer than others yes, yes. So, I mean by months <laughs> like
0: I, you're not going to make my life hell for those five months fuck no yes you are <laughs> absolutely not
1: dude it's closer to six but <laughs> no it, he's already started kids dude, I'm already getting picked we're already on. we're born in 91 no one gives a fuck. No one, don't make fun of someone for getting older. Getting older is not for pussies. Just get on with it. But Spoken you, like an old person. Fuck them. <laughs> my knee hurts whenever I stand up. <laughs> but uh, no, when you get older, people struggle to figure out what to get you for Christmas. So you will get handed an inordinate amount of booze. I still have six or seven bottles of whiskey that I haven't even fucking opened. Yeah. Because people just go, oh, damn, you like whiskey? Here's a bottle of Johnny Walker. I'm like, I'll put it next to my other bottles of Johnny Walker. I have almost the entirety of the Power Rangers colours represented in a johnny walker ball if they made a johnny walker green i'd have the full set
0: <laughs> frankly the best way to enjoy the power rangers <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey con megazard Woo <laughs> of d-rex i got tiny arms to run the source i can't pick up my phone <laughs>
0: That being said, uh, how, yeah. <laughs> I, I've actually been asked, "How do we feel about doing a drunken episode of the podcast?" I'm like, mm, "It probably won't go that well."
1: Yeah, it wouldn't go that well because I I, I think you some... need
0: to, maintaining that sweet spot is the problem though. Yeah, we need to be at the right point, and it needs to be probably no longer
1: than an hour. Yeah, it would need to be a tight sixty minutes. But mm-hmm. I don't know. But your mileage may vary. But when I drink, I get I get a I tend to say whatever is in the back dark shit in my brain. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say stupid things like for example because you you always did really well at school I like, remember in fucking high school you'd fucking write I didn't you can't <laughs> and it would just be 60 minutes of that and no one wants to see that I'm that's why I stopped drinking as much as I did because I'm not a good drunk I, I think I'm not the happy, jovial kind of like, ah,
0: yeah, up, uh, yeah, like One of those kind of drunks.
1: You're not a mate when he's drunk. Not, like, some people lad. just
0: transform into the lad, the mate. Yeah, the
1: bloke. Just, I'm, I'm a bloke. Go about Hand people drinks. Blocky, bloke, bloke. bloke. Like, yeah. I'm one of those kinds. No, I am one of those kind of. You don't know how fucking good you've gone man <laughs> like, You fucking scum, but like, fucking punching the jaw. I'm not a good drunk.
0: I get. It depends. If It depends how I walk into the room to have a drink. If I'm in a bad mood, I just go into the kind of sullen same kind of dark bad mood yeah but if it's if i'm kind of chai i'm kind of like go lucky a bit yeah same thing just a bit happier a bit more chai a bit more talkative so yeah. um because i know immediately after i'm saying like, oh yeah we're gonna try and drink a little bit less coming up to christmas yeah. and immediately i remember there's a work night out in like late november <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: so uh yeah well we shall see about how well i stick to that one also, yeah. as, just as a general rule of thumb, don't make fun of your friends that do drink a bit too much, because that is, I mean, everyone at some point will get hungover. Don't just go, "Oh, here comes Drunkenstein." Like, yeah, is that was, a thing? Yeah, but I, my family do it constantly. Oh, right, okay. It, it's it's more, but well, if it's a family thing, that's different, because that's no, the, it, it's a family thing that I see most of. But most people that I've seen out with that, that when they get a bit drunk, it's like, "Oh, we out last night?" Oh, fucking moron! You, it's all self inflicted. Like, no, just say it, it's happened to you at some point. Like you yeah. will get hung over in your life just yeah. let it happen don't make fun of that person
0: it's it's funny to do it to family though cause yeah. normally because you'll have to deal like as the family you'll have to deal with that person the day afterwards yeah, yeah. so you, you've you kind of earned the right to take the pisses a bit so if yeah. you happen to walk up and accidentally drop a stack of pots and pans right outside the bedroom yeah. <laughs> when they're still not quite fully what recovered
1: beat the shit out of a drum
0: Yeah, <laughs> if, if you have to do it that's you're, the family yeah. is the right place to do that keep it in the family kids yeah um
1: but uh, but no I've, if
0: you, i just i never imagined somebody walking into a room a bit rough and then getting slagged off by their mates other yeah. than the usual kind of bad night last night or yeah. great night
1: you just kind of sit them like you had a rough night last night and then just you, you're talking about a bit it's something that's happened quite a lot in my family and i've started seeing it more with so other uh groups of people that i used to hang around with they've always kind of been like they drink quite frequently but the minute someone else comes in that's Hung over yeah. that they weren't drinking with, it all of a sudden becomes a slagging match for them. Ah. Like they're walking up and they're fucking bellowing in their ear. It's like, why? That's just bullying. Hey, don't be a dick. Speaking of don't be a dick, there's something that I wanted to bring up because it is fairly fucking horrific. Uh, you've heard me talk about my ups and downs with the valley folk and how I've been ups and downs like a valley. Yeah, like uh, peaks and valleys. Peaks, peaks and, and valleys. Peaks and valleys, yeah. That could be the behind the curtains type things. Like, welcome to peaks and valleys with Dom Anderson. Here we talk about the valley folk and how they are just shitting the bed right now. Uh, I think it was two, maybe three days ago. At this, uh, no, things that it was November three, second, second uh, and third, uh, yeah. second or third. So four, maybe three days ago. Uh, recently, it came out that um, the valley folk was downsizing from four people to three as their main cast because they were. Uh, Actually, no, I won't get into that. I'm, just, I'm going to backpedal a little bit. Uh, the Valley Folk entered the competition called Bring the Funny. And uh, that was a big ensemble sort of a comedy ca- a comedy show where it was all compete to win it X amount of money. Yeah. And that show, that money could be used to you know promote their own business, get their own TV show off the ground, whatever. You win a competition, you get the money, you do what you want. Yeah. And they, they got to the final. They won the whole show. And it was the four of them. And as you, if you've heard me talk about them before, but you know who they are. But for those who haven't, there's a... Uh, elliot morgan who's a stand-up comedian joe Beretta who's a, a comedy writer and on sort of on-screen presence you've got steve saragoza who's a i think he's, he could technically be another stand-up comedian but uh, he's more of a writer as well and then you've got lee newton who does a lot of improv comedy she was a uh, part of groundlings which is a huge sort of all oh, right yeah platform for comedians to jump off and get into sort of places like snl
0: these are all LA based on-screen internet personalities. Yeah,
1: they're all huge in their own right. They're they wear th- many hats. Yeah, they're all very funny people. And, uh, they so they won't bring the funny, which, like I said, is a big sort of comedy talent show type thing. They won the full thing. And then six days, not even a full week, after they won't bring the funny, uh, it was announced that they were terminating the employment of Lee Newton, who is their uh, fourth mate or the, one of the members of the, the show, who has been with them since SourceFed days. She was one of the original hosts. Hmm. That she, she was one of the first sources that appeared on uh, SourceFed when it was Philly D's SourceFed before he outsourced it to Discovery. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of people on the internet, including myself, were wondering why the fuck did they do this? Lee Newton was one of the OGs from SourceFed. A lot of people were assuming did they maybe hear something from ABC saying, look, we like you three guys joe Stephen elliott
0: abc by the way hosted the competition yeah that they won.
1: yeah uh, abc uh, the show was called abc's bring the funny they hosted yeah. the show and they were asked uh, i uh, assume they were putting up the money yeah to give them they're
0: producing it it's their money
1: yeah They're uh, so a lot of people are assuming that abc are saying right we like joe Stephen elliott but lee Nah, let's get rid of her like she's not she's not cutting the mustard a lot of people are thinking that maybe there was cracks in the woodwork maybe before that maybe they noticed the cracks in the perfect picture uh, maybe during podcasts during live shows during shit like that they were just kind of maybe trying to cut Lee out of it mm. maybe they she wasn't the first person they had in mind there's so many different theories
0: I, I find it hard to I mean right, if about. the ABC competition is just for money I would say it wouldn't be an ABC thing if there was a contract involved yeah. I'd yeah. say maybe maybe they have a bit of executive producing that gets involved like, guys you guys are good but uh, this Lee girl yeah not so hot on the Lee girl
1: but that's the thing. She was probably out of all of them the one with the most comedy experience, because for years before SourceFed, she was with uh, Groundlings, and she <laughs> continued with Groundlings for way longer than anyone else was stuck with that comedy group. Yeah, that is Groundlings is
0: basically a, a a factory for trying to get SNL cast members. Yeah,
1: and she was she was there, but she turned it down to go and do other things, other sort of internet based things, which is ballsy, which is hella ballsy. Yeah, that's just that is almost her saying. I have my own plan and if it works out I won't need SNL because SNL without a doubt it's just a springboard for talent because you look at who SNL broke SNL broke Eddie Murphy SNL broke Will Ferrell SNL broke fucking Adam Sandler Chris Farley David Spade it is basically a big melting pot of talent and they turn that down for internet shit it's fucking ballsy but uh, one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about was, or or, I wanted to explain about was the videos that they posted in response to Lee Newton being fired uh, her video was a two and a half minute, maybe two minute fifty seconds video of her going, uh, saying the same thing I did six days after the bring the funny competition. Uh, the other three members of the Valley Folk, have decided to terminate my contract. I can't talk to you why. I can't tell you why, but I'll let you know that I'm not abandoning you. Abandoning you. I'll still be here. I'll still be making content on this channel. I'll be making more content on this channel for you guys because I'm not abandoning you. I'm still here. Very somber. Very to the to the point. Uh, this is a this is a bad point for me, but I will be picking myself back up.
0: And one thing he pointed out was that she has her pet cat with her. The entire uh, she's got
1: her both both of her dogs oh. sitting with her, and she's just petting them in a kind of I'm needing this right now. I need yeah. to keep calm. It's almost like you said. Was it like a kind of a therapeutic type thing? Yeah.
0: there's there's a certain feel to animal fur that is very it's very comforting. Yeah. to feel as just a person, and if you're going through. Trauma, uh like losing your job with your three best friends, that you would naturally say, "I need this."
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the hardest things to to watch on the back of that was the the Valley folk's response to that video. And it was just because uh, her video was called "I lost my job" or something like that, or a Valley folk announcement, Lee Newton or something like that. Then the the response to that was a Lee Newton announcement. They popped it up on their channel, and it basically started off with them saying, like the traditional announcement video, it's just like, what's up everybody, welcome to my channel, and uh, they, say we, uh, they didn't even say we got a bit of bad news, and it was literally, you may have heard by now that uh, uh, the Valley folk and Lee Newton have parted ways, uh, we're going our own our, our own creative way, Lee's going her own creative way, and we just want to know we're still going to be making content, we're still going to be making uh, the videos that you love, but unfortunately Lee doesn't want to be here for this, and then the whole all of the comments were just, I'm done with this, goodbye. Like, it just sounds like I'm they fu- <laughs> yeah pretty much Like I'm done wash my hands of this shit uh, it was a good run well it lasted blah 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 and then the response to that video was so fucking horrendous they released a 45 minute mini podcast right explaining we fucked up and in the podcast it is very telling that two of the three members barely talk uh, they've got Joe in the background who jump, kind of jumps uh, tries to jump in and moderate it by saying we get it you have every right to be fucked up we understand your pain but he keeps almost silent through most of it right and uh, Steve Zaragoza who literally sits there with a hood up and black sunglasses on yeah. and he just every so often just keeps saying can we move on from this like almost kind of I don't want to talk about this this is this is bad times I only want to be here for the good shit mm. let's get out of here I don't want to talk about this but if you've been following Steve, Z- Steve Zaragoza for a while like I have uh, through SourceFed, through dynamic banter, even through his podcast Cloverfields, when he talked, he spoke about Cloverfield movies. Uh, he's had anxiety. He's got he's got anxiety. He's got mild depression, and he's been working through that. So maybe he doesn't process emotions all that well. But still, I've heard him be very articulate about certain subjects. To have him be that quiet and that still yeah. speaks volumes. And the one person that did talk almost incessantly and almost rambling through it was uh, Elliot Morgan. And I think the reason why he kept talking all those uh, kept rambling his way through it is because. Uh, he went through a very rough divorce at Mm. the end of SourceFed when he left.
0: And have those two things hit at
1: the same time? Yeah, horrific. Oh no, he left SourceFed way before it ended. Oh, right. He left of his own accord because he wanted to do stand-up comedy. But just uh, uh, just mere coincidence that SourceFed ended then about six months to a year later he got divorced. And it was quite a messy divorce and uh, Lee Newton was the one to help him through it. Mm. So you could tell that he, he was crying, his hands were shaking through it, you could see the tears welling up in his eyes and he was just Trying to get it, trying to get the point across of us. We had to do this. I I can only apologize for it. You've every right to hate us. But most of it was just, I think, from him going, I fucked up. We came to this decision, but I couldn't stand to do it to someone like that. And I think that's why, very, very remorsefully, he made this video. And just taking both videos and, review, and reviewing them objectively, I'd love to know what caused this because yeah. it is clearly fucking horrific. Because I always assumed that this was a group this was something that they started they would see it through to the bitter end all four of them Mm -hmm. and to have a huge part of that removed there must be some monumental reason behind it and if the reason is money I'm quite happy to leave that channel but if if there's some other complex reason behind it if they explain it in a proper way that's not just we're going to keep growing we're going to keep learning we're going to continue to bring you the content despite of this nah that's not going to be good enough to win the fans back now because a lot of fans are pissed off that this has happened yeah they're gonna have to do some major fucking legwork
0: it's uh it's hard to watch a group of friends like that fall apart and even even if it is oh it was all fake like guys the last six months people We actually hate each other's guts it's not been uh anything like what you think it is behind the scenes we uh we need to get rid of this person because we're toxic or whatever yeah even the idea that that was an illusion for six months hurts fans of those because we've all been there all seen that type of thing yeah um, we've been around internet geek communities enough long enough to know these uh, these people these uh, internet personalities aren't just celebrities to us, they're kind of heroes in certain mm. ways I can't tell you how much people uh, from the internet inspire me I mean if talk about like the drinking thing Jeff Ramsey uh, reevaluating his life and dealing with the fact that he uh, was kind of dependent on alcohol for a while and just never really felt like an alcoholic but mm. realised he always had a drink in his hand that was alcoholic in nature and his story, his uh, changes have inspired mine. Yeah. I think you forget to understand that you know you do, even if it's not a real relationship, do form a relationship with people yeah. oh, you see every day. And yeah, if there's fan backlash, it's because they realise this dynamic was it will not exist anymore <laughs> and may have been a fraud, which means yeah. they feel cheated from their investment as a person.
1: And if if that is definitely a thing, if they've been going for almost two years now with this whole. We just wanted to make this kind of content again. We didn't really care about what form it took. We just wanted to make money again. That is fucking horrific. Because imagine if I keep me, you just said, I don't fucking care that it's you that I'm sitting across from. I just want to make a podcast. Yeah. No, like, my whole reason for doing this is because, like, we would banter back and forth, get hammered on Jagermeister and cola, yeah. <laughs> which was the odd... Jägernooks. <laughs> the Jager Nooks, man, they're <laughs> fucking great. Like
0: uh, Jager Jager bombs are for kids. Jager yeah. nukes. Jager nukes are for men. It's like it, it's a Stein of Jagermeister and Red Bull.
1: Always, the taste of it reminded me of the uh, the Jakeman's uh, menthol cough sweets. Yeah, very mentally taste, but it was so good because it, uh, it's the herbal liqueur. It just clears out all the gunk in your throat. Oh yeah, it's fucking fantastic. I was never sick when I was drinking Jagermeister. <laughs> but yeah, the reason why I wanted to do the podcast is because we would make each other laugh, and I thought we we've got something here. Yeah. yeah. Like,
0: there's, there's an innate chemistry to certain groups and yeah. when that disappears and it disappears hard yeah. it's hard to watch from the outside
1: yeah absolutely and it's I, I think this is ultimately this has started the downfall of the valley folks so i don't i don't think they can get back to where they were because from my knowledge seeing what lee newton brings to the table she brought a lot of the writing and a lot of the funny sketch ideas that they implemented mm. i just don't think that they have enough clout between all three of them Given the fact that one of them is going on tour, a stand up comedy tour fairly soon. The other t- and the other two have a short spotty work schedule as it is. I think they just realise that it might be time to cut strings with the valley folk. Because Steve Zaragoza, he is he goes all over the fucking place doing conventions and stuff and mm. stuff like that. Fantastic fest and all these conventions in America. Uh, Joe Brett has a dad, so he's got to take a lot of time off and like I said, Elliot Morgan, he's going all over the shop doing comedy tours, doing stand up comedy dates. I don't think without at least having those core people there, or taking that one person away from the core unit. What do you have left? What do you have left, yeah. And you could bring in guests, but that feels like putting a plaster over a leak. Mm. It might work for a bit, but the leak's going to come back out. And if you're plugging up that hole, what other holes are going to pop out because you've moved the pressure somewhere else?
0: And if you know anything about, like, internet production teams mm. not just like people who make videos by themselves uh, for youtube like if people are actually trying to produce it in that la style it as soon as one person's gone that's like a ton of work for everyone else
1: yeah they
0: okay. talk about uh, like funhouse uh big fans of them but they talk about the fact that every time someone goes on sabbatical or every time someone goes on large holidays yeah it is a huge dent to the team but they take that hit knowing that person is coming back yeah when you have one person going to do a stand-up tour basically a sabbatical coming back to then realise you've had two guys who've been working for four people Mm. as in doing the work of four people and then you then have come back and then after that there might be no plan unless there is a plan to
1: replace uh, this Lee Lassie I I I don't don't think they can with the fans having an absolute shit fit and I can't blame them because if they've even just say they do replace uh, Lee Newton with someone no matter what that person is always going to be the worst Lee or the Lee replacement yeah. It's it's never going to be the same as it was when it was the OG Valley Folk. And I think if they want to do this a service or they want to do themselves any kind of a service, they need to just put a pin in the Valley Folk and say, Right, we did this, we had two good years, but we can't continue on it because of how we started the Valley Folk.
0: And we were talking about the fact that if you were in the industry, uh if you knew who or if you wanted to be involved in that process and you were keeping an eye on the Valley Folk to see if a slot opened up. If you saw the fan backlash, you would not touch it with a ten foot yeah. pole,
1: because I can imagine there would have been a few people that would have been key or lined up for a spot in the valley folk. Because there's people that have worked with, Steve Zaragoza, that do podcasts with him, People that worked with, I mean, Joe Bretta has a massive amount of contacts in Smosh because he ran that company for five years. Yeah, uh, and uh, Elliot Morgan sure he's got a few dozen comedian friends that could jump into that hole. But when they see the backlash to firing one of the key members, they're not going to go near it. Yeah. Understandably,
0: I uh, just wonder what happened. Like, why is it that everything Smosh related, if you if you know what's going on with that channel and how that all ended, everything related to Smosh and the management side of that has been a fucking. Deal. Everything
1: that touches has been corrupted. Yeah, I've not seen. I heard uh, one of them, not, uh, was it Anthony. One of them left, and then now the entire thing has been sold off. Yeah, and now didn't they get sold off to one company that company basically just said nope we're not having this and then now they're just kind of this weird free fall limbo thing if you want
0: to have a look at just googling smosh and just look for uh there's opinion pieces on it there are like 40 minute mini episodes and many da- uh um wait what's going that? deep dives. Mm, kind of yeah documentaries yeah don't know why i lost that word that i've been watching
1: documentaries recently and I don't know why i've lost happened that man? Um, I couldn't remember the word tavern at the start of the show. <laughs> uh, I've been listening to nothing but D and D podcasts for the past three weeks. I can't remember the fucking word tavern.
0: <laughs> but if you uh, if you if you look into the Smosh situation, it was basically just horrific mism- mismanagement yeah. and corporate screwovers. Are they still
1: like a thing, or is Smosh been the liquidated? Smosh
0: brand is now in the hands of a team of like seven people, none of whom are the original cast, and all of whom are just like these kind of bright, vibrant. Like 20 somethings, mm. early 20 somethings, yeah. that are just uh, making these cheap, cheesy comedy videos. It's not, it doesn't remind anyone who remembers OG Smosh is outraged at the fact they've handed it over to other people. Yeah. And then you realize they handed it over in one form and then it has slowly morphed
1: over time. This, yeah. this weird sketch comedy group. Yeah, because I know that uh, Ian, he's still involved somehow, or might not even be involved, but Anthony, I think he's out.
0: I think Anthony left and then Ian was somehow booted.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I th- you got to, you got to wonder what runs through people's heads when they think, yeah, let's uh, let's hand over our business. But then, when they hand over, they realize I've just given everything away. And normally, people hand it over for a fuck ton of
0: money. In which case, you say, I mean, I gotta say, if you gave me if you offered me that much money, I would. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, they were uh, given stock options. Stock options. in exchange for the company. Jesus. So they were bought by a bigger company. And they said, Oh, we'll uh, we'll give you options like stock options in our company if you want to do it. So that means you're now working for them for free and yeah, you get a bit of a salary from that company if you're lucky. So yeah, the, the, the fall of Smosh. <laughs> so yeah, the fall of Smosh is kind of weirdly... Uh, it It's just a, it's a disaster and it's a good example of early mismanagement of yeah. internet property.
1: Yeah, I, I wasn't aware that Smosh actually went down that route. But again, if if the valley folk goes the way I predict it to go, I think they can go... They're probably going to go the way of Smosh or like how Sugar Pine 7 went out. They're just not going to make enough content to cover the bases and they're not going to make enough money. Yeah. Cause I've checked the Patreon numbers. I was going to ask about that. What's the... If there's a Patreon numbers backlash. Patreon numbers have dropped by at least a couple hundred. Shit. And the three to four days that it's happened then. Which is terrifying. It must be terrifying for them. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine the sheer panic that must be going through their heads when they realise we've lost this many tier-whatever followers. But
0: there's no way of telling which tier they come from, unfortunately, but I'm going to guarantee if it's at least a dollar a person, probably up to about $5 per person, those are the people who would leave. I think you'd have people at higher levels, maybe one or two would leave, but then you'd have most of them saying, I'm invested, I I care for these people, I don't want to abandon ship. Um, But But at the same time, that's still, even if we just say half of it's five dollars most of it's $1, that is still several hundred dollars to almost like half a grand going in the space of four
1: days. Yeah, that's, and they they are, they take a salary from their, their Patreon. Mm-hmm. So you can only imagine that things are going to fall by the way. So even though they're only a small seven-man team, Yeah, well, six-man now, but uh, they're a very small team. They could maybe rent out their office. Their office is probably going to have to get sold off despite the fact how, despite how little they do pay for the office. Yeah. the office is probably going to have to go you'd be lucky if they somehow even break even this year I think it's going to be a very much an uphill struggle but I will I will keep people did they do a of lot this.
0: of those videos that have uh, like a white background
1: yeah okay they, they still can they do a version of the white wall videos that they yeah. used to do in SourceFed but it's more of a just they, they film in one set area yeah. it's just couch decorations and shit in the background
0: all right, I was gonna say because uh, there's a there's a few of those internet channels that just pump out these uh, what what you call the white wall videos, yeah. where it's just somebody against a nondescript background, so stuff can kind of fly in and off the background.
1: Yeah, I think that was actually started by SourceFed. To be fair, yeah, they did sort the the white wall news videos,
0: and it just it became a very easy uh, source of revenue for a lot of companies. And I think I was expecting that to be their kind of bread and butter. Yeah, but I wasn't sure if they did a lot of set pieces or comedy or anything. No, like. I
1: think they tried to. I think. For my money, anyway, where where they went wrong was where they tried to not they tried to steer away from sourcefed too much. It's like we're not going to do any newsy type videos, but that's where the comedy of that's where their type of comedy came from.
0: Reacting to live news, reacting it, to live news, know, and isn't it in itself its own form of comedy. I mean, yeah, there's so many good TV shows that are based on. I mean, the fucking Daily
1: Show. Yeah, the Daily Show. Although I heard when the Daily Show first started. It took a major, or when I said Daily Show first started, when the Daily Show handed over its reins from Stuart to Trevor Noah. Uh, John Stuart to Trevor Noah, uh, it didn't go well. The numbers took a major nose dive. It, I think they're picking back up now.
0: It did. Uh, Trevor Noah took a while to find his feet. He's a, a non American comic doing American news for a comedy. Yeah. And uh, it, it didn't come across well, but he's found his feet, he's found his audience, and he's got his rapport going. So he's a lot better now. And he's, he's definitely very good at. Um, stuff that John think really did, I think he's very good at the... He's the digital age host for The Daily Show Mm. because he does, uh, like... We see now them doing this kind of uh, uh, behind-between-the-scenes bit where, like, just while they're setting up one bit or while they're taking things out and moving stuff back in as part of a TV production, there would just be a camera rolling and he would just ask questions to the audience and ask them, oh, have you seen this thing about this news? And it becomes a quick, shareable clip. He's very good at those uh, to help build the brand online which is something yeah. i don't i don't know if john shirt did that but i don't see him doing that in a way
1: it, it's, it's definitely good to differentiate yourself because john shirt i've seen as being very professional about it uh, professional professional in the sense that we're doing it yeah. this way yeah and we're going to keep it doing this way but to try and break that format and see, do something maybe a bit more relaxed and formal off the cuff yeah, yeah just have john uh, trevor no just walk out and talk to the audience i think that's a pretty cool way to break away from the standard almost
0: yeah I think he's uh, he's the right host for the the times. Yeah. Just because I think John Stewart put it best, uh, this show does not deserve to have a host who's not 100 percent committed. Hmm. I think he was just tired. <laughs> yeah, I, c-
1: I can imagine. Yeah, when you're when re, when you're recording a show that requires you to be that quick, because you need to react to shit quickly, you need to get yeah. stuff written quickly in response to whatever events happened that week. Yeah, because a week it's a weekly show. No, it's daily. Daily show. It was <laughs> fucking called the daily show. <laughs> 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 I've written Scott on that is still regarded as the <laughs> fucking moron yeah. <laughs> just this long droning down noise yeah, yeah you've got uh, I mean that can solidifies the point even more you need to have that constant conveyor belt of just ah, I've right, I can respond it this way I can respond it that way you got to imagine that it's got to kill someone's and energy
0: the in-depth journalism of that. Sounds writing that's
1: so wanky it's got to kill their energy
0: no it, re- it really does there's a lot of people who are in that TV grind of making a daily show Or even just a weekly show. I mean, John Oliver uh, talks about the amount of research he has to do with his people to get a bit ready for television is absurd. And they will often be walking onto set writing new bits as they walk from the writer's room to like the The, uh, the costuming and stuff and then into the stage. And there's a lot of. Is John Oliver still good? Yeah. Yeah, Still pretty good. Um, He has his, if you're interested in seeing his uh, longer form, like 20 minute end of uh, the video kind of monologue rant things. He puts them up on YouTube. Right. Um, you get I mean, them. I like, keep forgetting how batch drop by season. All right. So it's bads, like he does
1: them kind of American, by season. This is all his monologues.
0: Americans get it as it comes out, yep. and then you the in the UK because uh, the rights are owned by Sky Atlantic, because it's the HBO right. thing. Yeah, yeah. They come out, and once they're done with it, and there's a couple months afterwards, they just drop the entire season's worth of
1: uh, end of show monologues That's on you. No it. par- it's pretty good. I keep forgetting that John Oliver has made it fairly successful over in America because yeah. when you see him on Mock the Week no offence guy was shit but then again you're going up against comedy heavyweights like fucking Frankie Boyle <laughs> and Hugh Dennis who have refined that panel show comedy to a fucking fine point yes he was never going to be the best
0: and it is very funny to see him still trying to be the John Oliver that becomes John Oliver on his show mm. but at the same time completely out of the element and just so rough with the whole technique it's brilliant yeah so there's, its own, there's its own special joy to that, yeah. especially now since he references the fact that no one in England knows who he is. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, pretty pretty great yeah. <laughs> There's a few comedy buffs out there who know who you were before, yeah. and uh, we didn't exactly love
1: you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you tried it, though. <laughs> I mean, not many. It takes fucking balls to not make it big in England and think, you know what, my brand of comedy could work well in America. And all British people, and I use the British term correctly yeah. when I say British means all the fucking Isles. Yes. Not just England. Because hey, someone asked me hey, what a British accent sounds like. And I said, This is a British accent. She went, No, it's a Scottish accent. I want to hear a British accent. I went, What do you think a British accent is? And they went, Someone from England. I went, No, that'd be English accent. <laughs> Stupid <laughs> fucking non British There is people. no British accent. Yeah, there's no single British accent. There are several. Unless you physically be- have lived sometime in your formative years in each of the four British Isles. <laughs> <laughs> physically I- not impossible. And in many of the other boroughs. Yeah, just like, take a bit of the accent. Physically impossible to get a British
0: accent.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but anything with a British accent is a fucking commodity over in America. Mm-hmm. Daniel Sloss is way bigger over in America than he is here. I know because I met I'm him. I'm about to say who. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Who? <Fucking> exactly. <laughs> I met him in Edinburgh. And I said, "What the fuck are you doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, he, he's a, he's pretty. He's a pretty funny comedian. He, he does a lot of sort of the Bo Burnham comedy. It's like I'm, I'm that young. No one values what I say, but I'm gonna fucking say it anyway. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's not bad not not the greatest groundbreaking comedian but he's he's still got a presence about him. but i met him during the fringe about five years ago and i said oh do you mind if i got a photo with you i've, I've seen you i've been following your stuff on youtube for quite a while and i was oh thanks man i appreciate that I, I don't really get many people coming up to me and asking for photos and I went, just, uh, just out of curiosity why the fuck are you here <laughs> went, i'm here doing the fringe man and i went yeah but would you not be making more money in america and he went yeah probably but i, I want to come back here and you know, do the thing
0: you cut that guy off with a bad question, and yeah. he is just like processing the answer as he says it. No, he wanted to punch me in the fucking face. <laughs> so I
1: can <couldn't> tell <laughs> uh, he took the photo, and he was like, yeah, One more, just one more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're getting specifically two photos with me. Yeah, one of them will be me giving you the finger. Oh. Well,
1: I'm pretty sure I did say sorry, uh, sorry I'm off to him afterwards. I had a hell of a buzz on. <laughs> I just went. I just went. Um, uh, that was a pretty dickheaded question. to ask you. It's cool, man. You're not the only person to ask me that kind of question. <laughs> you're
0: not the only one. That.
1: Then I probably walked. Away, the minute I walked away from him, I was probably just like, "What a cunt!" <laughs> it's bad what when you, you
0: hear can. it and you're like, "Ah, oh, shit! I shouldn't yeah. have done that." I, I
1: feel bad about that one. Yeah. When you hear it, not even when they say anything, but when you hear it played back in your head, it's like, I just said that. <laughs> wow! I really just did that.
0: Excellent. I feel great about it. It was life. like
1: uh, when I was at download in a someone that we used to go to school with bumped into me and he had just almost a bright red face on him. I asked him, said, what's up, man? He went, I just met Herman Lee. I went, okay, uh, you seem pretty... You Flustered. Pretty, you look pretty f- uh, flush. I said, "What's wrong?" the problem? Went, I asked him uh, who's a better guitar player, him or the computer. I just went, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking bitchy. Eh? And he went, well... Uh, it's not wrong. <laughs> I, I mean, it was one of those things that I can't argue because... I mean, the, the whole stigma about Dragon Force was it wasn't him, it was all computer effects. Yeah. Then when you hear him live, it just sounds like someone slapping the shit out of a guitar and expecting fucking Beethoven to happen. <laughs> um, I just went, I wouldn't worry about it. He's probably got asked that question so many times. No, he was really offended. He asked security to take me out of the place. I was like, yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, did, you did kind of piss off a, a major metal celebrity. Yeah, Despite I, uh, the fact he's in fucking Dragon Force.
0: If you want to see a... the probably the best i've just started watching this on uh, netflix uh if you want to see the best example of british awkwardness david mitchell and peep show i don't <laughs> yeah. know i don't know how you feel about david mitchell but i love how fucking awkward he is every now and again he, he, his panel comedy is pretty good he's good on uh like uh, eight out of ten cats and Big he's good Trek
1: on it he's good on shows like that and would i lie to you and it's just
0: it's no. good when you see him who is he's is an actually intelligent person
1: yeah. and a very angry
0: man and a very sharp angry yeah. comedian and when he just put him up against somebody who's a complete idiot and you just
1: watch him go to town on yes. someone with a clearly lower intellect. He, his wife is infinitely hotter than he deserves. <laughs> I've, I've not seen it. Victoria Corn Mitchell. She's not like not fucking model hot, but she's like she's still pretty attractive. Yeah. You look at her and think, how the fuck? What lines of attraction? <laughs> how did forced you force you two together? <laughs> then you listen to her talking, you listen to him talking. You're the same person. <laughs> <laughs> you're quite literally just the same people in different bodies and in different genders. That's how this works.
0: I uh, I start watching people Show. I've just done the first couple uh, episodes, and just it's the fact that David Mitchell's character is constantly reading about World War Two, and will his entire thought process is references to the Battle of Stalingrad. And German pushes into the Rhine and how he's gonna uh, and it's, he's not even like referencing it because he believes in Nazi ideology or anything. He just is obsessed with World War II <laughs> and doesn't understand that's a bad thing to be obsessed with. <laughs> yeah. It's just not right. And he's like, I don't know why I can't get a date. And in his head he going This is worse than Stalingrad. Not that bad really. Don't have to eat anyone that's my
1: neighbour or anything, <laughs> but still pretty bad. <laughs> What's the what was this the sketch comedy show that they did? Mitchell and Weblook. Yeah. Fucking Mi- hysterical. The Mitchell and Weblook is one of my favourite favorite uh sketches of all time and that's the are we the baddies sketch it's yeah. the dressed in the full <laughs> ss officer uniform and just, are we the bad guys <laughs> so fucking good
0: it, it it's an overplayed meme now but see when you watch that show and you realize that's an episode one yeah and it's like a close to an opening bit yeah. you're like oh this is gonna take some risks
1: it's worth it though yeah that came from the the almost the renaissance of british comedy because we had uh, tv shows like the michelin web look we had the uh, peep show it crowd we had a uh, i don't know in between us i'm a big fan in between us yeah we had all this good smart comedy because
0: if we say smart comedy but at the same time only thing i can remember for the betweeners is the movie they well, go to ibiza one of them has a 20 quid note shoved up his ass just in case he needs to like yeah. for emergencies <laughs> and he gives it to a guy so he can snort coke <laughs> and he, he the takes the note away there's a wee nugget of shit on his nose <laughs> well, So like, smart comedy
1: mm. maybe maybe excluding in between us but there was a lot of <laughs> <laughs> I'm just remembering in between us bits now. and then when they go to the camping site in, uh, I just remember the bit in In Between Us Two when they get stranded in the desert and Neil has to piss on all of them.
0: <laughs> I just remember like the, like the punching a fish bit from the end of season one. Yeah. That's fucking brilliant, just because it's it comes out nowhere and it's so visceral. Yeah, it's a moment of a guy. There's a fish on the boat. Nobody knows what to do. Neil. Well, that's in the series, isn't it? Neil, the big dumb guy. Just punches the fuck out of a fish on a boat yeah. when everyone's around them watching and no one has any idea how to react to it. <laughs> the awkwardness of it is fantastic. You remember
1: in the first in between us movie where they kill a boy? Uh <laughs> there's a boy running next to the pool and uh, I think uh, one of the characters, I think what's the guy that keeps him completed it? Um I can't remember. It's it's either him or one of the guy with the glasses, he's trying to prove that he's a badass will uh will he's trying to prove that he's a badass and he pushes a boy in a swimming pool yeah but they never, show the boy, they never show the boy getting at the swimming pool <laughs> so a lot of people have just taken it to they killed the boy like even the creator of the show uh, ian k morris said all right no he gets at the swimming pool we swear we didn't kill a child <laughs> in the in the show
0: i think it's the um there's one team where they go to camp uh, a caravan for the weekend and they're all trying to get laid at a caravan where everyone's parents are there and it gets really fucking creepy because all of the people there are underage. Yeah. And they're trying to hit on kids. And the reality is that they're actually hitting on kids. Yeah. Um, but at one point, one of them goes into uh one of them gets shagged in the back of the car. And it's a tiny little car. And uh, he just says, oh, he, they're driving back and he goes, Why is his seat wet? He goes, Oh yeah, fucking a shot a load in the chair, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, okay. and it's just like, oh, it's fucking everywhere. <laughs> it, again, we're saying like it's as a renaissance of smart British comedy. Yeah. It was crude as shit yeah. as well. It was
1: fantastic. It, we still, it still came out right at that time where it, we were in high school and we we're like, I can relate to this. <laughs>
0: I, this makes a lot of sense. It is, it is lads on tour to comedy.
1: Yeah, and it's like the Pussy Patrol. All that Patrol. Actually, I was fucking sick of that.
0: I, I do remember. It, uh, seeing cuz it it came out part of the 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 first movie was that they were going away on holiday and they got t-shirts with pussy patrol yep. written on it and it was uh, it was it was basically a rep of a warner brothers character with a cock
1: yeah pick panther with a massive stoner and uh they they
0: walk out and that's the that's the t-shirt they all go to wear when they're on holiday and uh somebody had a replica of that t-shirt and wore it several years later and then reddit did not understand the joke yep. a, it was fucking brilliant everyone's like I can't believe someone wears offensive t-shirt and you're like Uh,
1: you have some TV to watch you have some (laughs) great British television just don't watch the American version I think the American version lasted an episode they made an American oh yeah they did did. oh shit where Neil is imagine Ed not Eddie from Ed, Ed and Eddie but with hair and probably a bit fatter. that guy's exactly how he played Fuck. Neil not Neil (laughs) who's the who's the loudmouth one that keeps saying he completes everything Jay Jay yeah James Buckley
0: yeah James Buckley
1: I they just majorly missed on all the main characters and it's just a horrible show. Do not give the American <laughs> in between us the light
0: of day. Definitely give the British one. the yeah, British one you need to watch because it's smart it, British comedy. It's hilarious and horrifying at the same time. Yeah, um, it's very relatable as well. <laughs> um, I I am going to push us on because I've realised how late it is and you need sure. to get. Yeah, it's almost. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to push us on to our uh, the short savar. Uh, shortstop Uh, um, after just I quickly say uh, go see Weathering with you when it comes out in cinema I saw it anime movie fucking amazing Makoto Shinkai is on top form beyond belief Um, it comes out I saw an advanced screening for Scotland Loves Anime Uh, major
1: cinema release is in January uh, next year definitely worth a watch Shinkai is on form just a quick side before we get in it. I promise I'll try and make this as quick as I can but uh, a couple of friends of mine they were going to the Picturehouse Cinema in Edinburgh to go and watch uh, Promare, the new. Promare, yeah, the Premier. new Trigger film. Yeah. The new Studio Trigger movie, which looks fucking awesome. Yeah. But uh, a friend of mine got there five minutes late, uh-huh. showed the ticket, got them scanned through, and they said, Sorry, you can't go in, the film's already in progress. he said, I'm five minutes late. Come on, can you not just let me in? He said, No, sorry. And I said, Did I get a, a, a refund? He said, No, it's your own fault you weren't here on time. I was like, Fuck that guy. I don't care if that guy's having a bad day at work or anything. That's horrific. Still, fuck that guy.
0: I, like, I showed up, what was it? ten minutes late to Joker, all I did was miss ten minutes of credits. Yeah. And that's the thing is, uh when you do Scotland Loves Anime, there's an intro by I've got a book over there by a guy called Jonathan Clements. Uh he is the I didn't realise um when I went to see Dragon Ball Super like a several years ago mm-hmm. when they did the Battle of the Gods movie. Yeah. He was there and it was there was just a guy doing like an intro. It's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like he's given a good introductory like speech, but at the same time like who the fuck is this guy? Turns out he's a pretty damn good authority on anime. <laughs> he he wrote, he wrote that book, which is certified by the British Film Institute. Pretty good fucking yeah, authority yeah. on anime, right. and uh, so, he's
1: check out Jonathan Clements. But we got
0: showstopper. Showstopper. Um, this was actually a new story that uh, when we uh, we were doing uh, was we text to each other notes for the show. I said I have a weird story for you for the showstopper. It involves a family of Dutch people. The thing is, is it can it beat the family of blue
1: people that you showed me last time? I'm still I, showing people that. I don't, <laughs> I don't like, think... Look at the blue people. When, when, look you,
0: when you look into the science of the blue people, it gets better and better and better. <laughs> uh, so it becomes more fascinating. Like, no, this can't happen. But yes, it can happen. Uh, it this, can and has. This is just uh, from one scientifically weird family to one religiously weird family. Uh, okay. There was a family of six people found to be living in the basement of a Dutch farm waiting for the
1: apocalypse. And in How long were they there? Because that's uh, got a smell if they're there for over a week. Nine years. Motherfucker.
0: They're sh- living in piss and shit. <laughs> uh, this was basically happened when uh, a family of six, five of them were youths, uh, aged Youth. 18, 18 to 25. They've not really been named publicly, as far as I can tell. Okay. And a father, um, who is known only as Joseph B., is a 58-year-old man. Mm-hmm. And initially... Fa- I need to note... Was well, 49 when he started this <laughs> fucking venture. Which is about... Twenty-five years too old <laughs> to be considering joining what is basically a doomsday cult, uh, let alone leading one. So he uh, he was found to be holding the rest of them in captivity for nine years, which counts to there's also different uh, like not quite kidnapping charges, but detaining someone against their will. Uh, yeah. He's been charged with a lot of those, so he's been getting uh, six of those thrown up.
1: I can imagine
0: they basically had uh, a farm that they rented, somehow paying for it, I guess. Um, that they rented just outside of an Austrian town. I think the comment was, oh wait, he's Austrian, it was in uh, Holland. That's where this is all taking place. The town is called uh, Runerwald, and this was just a breaking news story when it happened, it's been about a month since then. So far it seems like everything's been confirmed. Uh, They were unsure as to whether or not the man was the father of the children, but it seems that he is, and he was waiting for the the apocalypse to come uh, after grieving for his wife. So he basically got it into his head, The, the apocalypse is coming, time to go hide in a on a, a
1: Holland farm somewhere, I guess. I mean, I, I mean, when you think about it, it's clear. It makes clear and valid sense. The guy is not yeah. completely but fucking sane. <laughs> what well, the? Uh, what I found interesting was,
0: the oldest kid ran away from home and just like sprinted to the nearest town and ran into a cafe, apparently looking dishevelled and a fucking complete mess, uh, to ask and beg for help. And we were like, okay, where do you live? This isn't some remote cabin in the woods shit. They were two hundred meters from the nearest town. And you see the farm. There was like a river running next to it. People apparently just walk there for fun every day. And yet somehow there was a family of like seven people hiding in a basement, sustaining themselves off of like crops and animals that were
1: grown on the farm.
0: It's weird. They rented the
1: entire farm. Did they leave the basement of the farm to collect the crops
0: and animal products? By the sounds of things, it was only the father who left. Like he was the only one who would go outside. That's how he controlled access. Right, because okay. he didn't want the kids just running out <laughs> in the planet. In 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 the case of the apocalypse just happening to them what, all.
1: What nationality were they? Dutch,
0: uh, Austrian, Austrian, Austrian family. So this is basically uh, stay in
1: the basement. <laughs> what is it with
0: Austrians and basements? I'm fucking fucking Fritzl family all over yeah.
1: again. <laughs> stay in the basement. If the radiation turns me into a monkey, you shall survive in my name.
0: <laughs> uh, it just absolutely. I saw that story. I was like That can't be real. No, it can't be. Every time, every time I googled it turns out it's still real jesus christ Fucking
1: <laughs> austrians are no weird did no one check that was wi-fi not a thing uh, apparently they just he just no he definitely uh, think about it the logical conclusion would be he turned the wi-fi off <laughs> the wi-fi was bringing the apocalypse the wi-fi guy. is up. i
0: mean you believe in an apocalypse that's impending and imminent you're yeah. gonna basically just blame it on everything modern
1: yeah so yeah i mean just start smashing everything like this keyboard is gonna cause the apocalypse <laughs> just write Skynet on everything watch his head explode <laughs> don't worry I'll save just beating the fuck out of a toaster
0: <laughs> fuck you <laughs> just who's your enemy Breville <laughs> Breville sounds a bit too close to devil for my liking <laughs> in the bin with ye
1: <laughs> Nescafe sounds too satanic to me
0: uh, so with that, hilarious shows up our mind of creepy Austrian farmhouses Jesus. or creepy
1: Dutch farmhouses inhabited by creepy Austrian bastards. Look out the window! <laughs> Surely, when you see people like Dutch, t- when you see people walking past, going, "Oh, look, there's a family in there." Like he
0: maintains the lie for six months, understandable. Nine years, nine years. Yeah. That six becomes... teenage boys don't question that. Yeah. What is wrong with those kids?
1: They were getting beaten. Oh yeah. <laughs> if they ask questions, Dad punched them in the jaw. That's what happened. They're all just bruised and mutated. Like
0: Dad never lets us see the light. <laughs> I, I just I'm, I'm some
1: food. This is bacon. What is bacon? <laughs> Does I did- it hurt me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Disarmingly daddy.
1: <laughs> that is not the episode title. It is not. It is not. I'm uh, Looking for an episode title it needs nope. to be disarmed. Nope, 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 I will nope. I am putting my foot down. <laughs> right,
0: uh, well that is it. I've been I've been Colin Graham
1: I've been Tom Anderson
0: and we've been talking Gibberfish. Uh, feel free to reach out to us at uh, Jibberfish on Twitter or Gibberfish at gmail.com.